0: Welcome friends, you're tuned in to uh, episode 2 of uh, Supple and Lean's GeekCast. My name is Imran, I'm talking to you from London in the UK, and uh, in a few moments I'll be joined by my um, podcast compadre um, Vahe, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. So uh, we are continuing uh, in our our kind of uh, ongoing conversations about our well certainly our unwavering adoration for the a the ninja turtles in general but also idw's amazing reimagining of the ninja turtle lore thus far we have discussed um uh, we had a great episode of the lot on the last ronin which is a compulsory read and then in our official episode one of uh supplement means geek cast we discussed shredder in hell today's episode sees us discuss the four-part miniseries um, the secret history of the Foot Clan, and we also have a discussion about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, uh, the third in um, the well the uh, the ongoing catalog of Ninja Turtle movies. I want to say nineteen ninety three. I should have checked before I, I started talking, but I believe it was released in ninety three. I do name check the year in our conversation as well. So. Yeah, it's another Ninja Turtles themed episode. Um, I, I mean, IDW. I mean, this could actually be the whole entire basis of every conversation that we have. I mean, IDW series has been going for. For so many years at this point Um, and there's such an expansive kind of uh, catalogue of their releases uh, to discuss. We've yet to jump into any of the crossovers that we've mentioned on past episodes where it's Ninja Turtles and Batman, Ninja Turtles and the Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles and the X-Files, Ninja Turtles and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So we're going to have to have a a conversation where we discuss uh, one of these as well. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, we're on uh, uh, the secret history of the Foot Clan Um, What else can we say? So it's a great episode Uh, We kind of discuss uh, what we want to do with the Supple and Leans podcast as well So it's kind of our initial introduction uh, for our episode today And um, as an an added bonus I I was very, very excited when I made the introduction to our official episode 1 on the on the uh, well on the last episode, because we, we got to debut what I thought was going to be our uh, our our theme song, and I suppose it is. Vahé hey, I see. Yes, there are a fair few million podcasts in the world you can uh, you can listen to, but how many of them will create their own song every single episode? Now, that's what we're up against. Um, this is incredible. So on our last episode. Vahe wrote, composed, recorded, did every single thing uh, and created this fantastic track called Geekin uh, the theme to Slag, which is and Leans Geekcast Uh, you can hear the entire song if you go back to episode 1 and for episode 2, I thought we would be playing that again with absolute beaming pride but we have an entirely new song which is completely befitting our episode today so Vahe has, has blessed us once more with uh, an amazing uh, track, which is just the perfect setup for our episode. This is um, a seven plus minute uh, a gem called Saki's Bane. Uh, so, we are going to play that one for you right now, and then we're going to come straight back into our conversation. Um, this is the best thing in the world, it's it mind blowingly good. and. Um, uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So, without further ado, friends, um, Saki's Bane, uh, and you're listening to Supple and Lean's uh, Geek Cast, episode 2.
1: Bloodied sword in my hand, the smell of death in the air, a darkness falls on the land, your sorry life ain't fair, I emanate from the eternal, spirit of my clan, get a band if you're soft as a turtle, all that you believe is the seed of a lie that grows like a weed, Inside the mind of a guru Immortal I can see straight through you If you think you can take me then holla yo I'm top of your dime yo And I ain't even asked for a dime yo Cause money ain't the power in the hour of pain A once noble man is slain Corruption and the suffering's the name Of the game, it's a shame and a brother in arms Can do so much motherfucking harm And I ain't care about your lucky charms Your wife or your sons I'm the dragon reborn Feel my burning wrath and scorn And anger that seethes underneath The power or the pleasure is the thrill I seek To always live mighty motherfuck the meek The knowledge you seek will somehow find you setting you free from the ties that bind you the world is mine Let the rats in my war cry A bloodied foot to the chest and then you die Try and understand where I'm coming from Is the heart and the eye of a perfect storm Vengeance is mine, decreed by divine Read the signs, it's all by design this is, your family. this is your family, I am your father, am your father. No, no one understands, one understands you, but me. you but me, I am your brother, am your brother. the flame brother. of the spirit runs brother. deep, deeper, deeper than the scorching than the lava, betrayed so treacherously. I'll replace you with another Death can't conquer me Ain't never been a bother All it gives me is some cold sleep Until I wake up as mother A city of light across the sea And yet I still wander What will be my destiny before i go for sun if you can't read my lips read my fists the damage i inflict will put a hole in your hip Yes they call me Shredder cause I'm tight with my grip And you will never ever finna catch me slipping I'm well put together, gonna live forever An emerald elixir to strengthen my tether The darker the weather, the sweeter the kill. Only I and I can summon up the will So chill And all I see is war path ahead of me Got no time for redemption nor chivalry. Got the clan in the back, yeah, they down to be the total baddest motherfuckers in history. Only keep the toughest ninjas around me. Dare to clown me. I'll do you like Hamato Yoshi. The streets and counted me and know me. Read a book, gee, the foot will kill you quick beat. Some will say I betrayed the code. The unwritten scriptures of old Causing mad damage untold I am not a demon to behold But an angel of light bold No songs in my heart No reveries And if my heart and my soul do fail me Let the spirit of my ancestors envelop me this is your family, your family, your family. I am your father, your father, no one understands you but me. I am your brother your the flame of the spirit runs deep, runs deep, deeper than the scorching lava Betrayed so egregiously I'll replace you with another Death can't conquer me Ain't never been a bother All it gives me is some cold sleep sleep, Until I wake up as mother A city of light across the sea And yet I still wander What will be my destiny but I go for Son, This is your family, your family, your family. I am your father, your father. No one understands you but me. I am your brother, your The flame of the spirit runs deep, runs deep, deeper than the scorching Lava Betrayed so egregiously. Uh, uh, I'll replace you with another Death can't conquer me Ain't never been a bother All it gives me is some cold sleep sleep, Until I wake up a smother A city of light across the sea And yet I still wander What will be my destiny before I go for sun the sun sun
0: officially episode two with what we're doing you know that was going to be my opener yeah we are we're officially uh so kind of episode one was sort of officially the first even though it wasn't recorded as the first supple and lean Mm. um but it it became the first supple and lean so we should probably talk supple and lean for a moment i tell you how cool is
2: this that is such a supple and lean thing to do though yeah. Right. Right. Uh-uh. To not like plan it out as right.
0: totally supple and lean style. So And by the time this episode comes out, it will like be the first episode of a whole other thing that we hadn't <laughs> even planned on. And it'll be like, what?
2: It's actually the it's spin-off. What? We just don't know it yet. It's the spin off. Yeah, of Bill and Ben. <laughs> Bill and Ben's wondrous
0: soiree soiree (laughs) Uh, (laughs) wonder a soiree (laughs) (laughs) but i I have to i have to give you all the credit in the world for coming up with literally the greatest theme song of any podcast anywhere in Mm -hmm. the world i cannot believe you did it it's glorious
2: yeah actually just on that so oh thanks man thank you
0: yes dude Um,
2: so actually, yeah, I'm actually got another one in the in the works. So by the time this, like, you put this episode together, I'm actually going to have another one uh, oh done that we can play. So I want to like do it for each app, basically. Each one we put together, really. I'm going to oh. whack out like another um, kind of supple and lean track, and I think I'm going to touch like a different, not genre, but like different um, era each time. So like the first one is very heavily '80s. And then I'm thinking maybe the next one could be like a bit nineties or some shit, but this puts you yeah. under tremendous pressure.
0: Oh yeah. But I love it. It just forces wow. me to make something, you know, how easy is it for you to make something because the, 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 everything about that was was glorious it was perfect it was it was brilliantly written and put together and it was just it was a wonderful thing and i just i listened to it and i beam from it but like <laughs> how easy just in general is it to kind of because obviously i know you create music on a uh oh, on a multifaceted basis from dark Southern to your own kind of personal uh, beat projects and stuff like that. But just in general, yeah. uh, how easy is it to sort of sit down and create something from scratch?
2: Um, it's at this point, it is very much like just like part of my natural everyday thing. Like it's just, if you do it enough regularly enough um kind of not force yourself, but just get yourself into like a, a, a routine or a work ethic like with anything else. If you repeat the same sort of thing over and over enough, then um, it starts to become second nature. So, you can just kind of sit, uh, sit there and just bang out a track fully formed in like a couple of hours. Um, as long as you have like some kind of thing to lead with. So, what really tickles my fancy, and the, the way I can actually just shit out a track like I did with that theme. Uh, so I'm not really putting it that eloquently, but um, you know what I mean. <laughs> so the the only thing that really drives that is um, just uh, the I guess the repetition. Yeah, just having done that over and over, refined the ability to take a concept uh, and just really run with it right just balls to the wall embrace whatever the minute concept might be in this case the spark was a new podcast we have an alias each which very heavily leans itself to an 80s vibe because we're like an 80s hip-hop group kind of name (laughs) so i could easily stick just to the 80s and do like a whole 80s kind of thing as well Uh, it can go either way but um, i'm kind of leaving that up to me as well in terms of what the vibe is going to be but i'm thinking like I was almost going to sample something from like the first Turtles movie, like the soundtrack, because I've done that a few times before. Um, So I might just do that and base that, a track based around that and make it sound like it's part of the TMNT soundtrack or some shit. You know what I
0: mean? Mm, That sounds amazing. Yeah. And obviously you riff off the Shredder theme quite a bit as well and for various kind of projects as well from Dark Southern. Yeah. uh, Yes. Yeah. That would be awesome.
2: Which always um, gets people's attention, like, especially people who recognize it, they immediately just go, like, as soon as it changes and goes, <laughs> they like, oh, like These, this uh, wave of realization. There is, no one,
0: there is no one I know in my life other than you that I could play that song for and then and they would get it.
1: There's no. literally nobody
0: <laughs> like, uh, uh, so, uh, yeah. Amazing that you're around people who know it. That's incredible.
2: Do my, my like main social circle that I've come up with from since like primary school to high school up until like now is they're like all different versions of me. basically there's me less emphasis on the music, but same emphasis on like all the nerd shit, especially mm. turtles. Like it's, it's incredible. Like every single person I'm, I'm friends with is the same sort of fanatic like we are um, wow. towards turtles and the first movie. So yeah, we're all like in good company. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. What really about cool. you, man? You're you're like you've been doing this fucking blue and green thing for a while now, and you you do have quite a good like work ethic. Like your turnout rate right, in terms of what you do. It's kind of at a high level. So, like, you're kind of, you're doing the same thing. So, what? How did you sort of um, get to that level as well? Like, what? what well, I guess
0: I am doing it in a sort of a different way. You're you're creating music, right? Like, so I, I, my, everything I do is about being in awe of people like you. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, I, that's very kind of you to say. Yeah, I, I do, I do work. A, I mean, we, we often talk about late nights, and you go to bed at like four in the morning, and I go to bed at four in the morning. But the difference is, I'm not built for it so i suffer (laughs) for my art and it's so uh but yeah i i kind of do my best to uh, I, i guess to i don't know what i don't know what it is i think for me it's just it's stories you know like everything from a radio show to a review to a a podcast to you know just just a radio station in general just trying to put things together it's always a story and that's kind of my drive my i don't know my motivation for for it you want to tell stories uh, and that's kind of why um i guess podcasting in a geek sense kind of you know i enjoy it as well and why i'm particularly excited about uh, kind of us doing this because uh we kind of gravitate mostly to a lot of similar stuff and i think geeking out over it is um is is very cool but i don't create in the way you do right musically i mean there's that's a whole other art form you've you've taken the time to become acclimatized and learn uh, a variety of instruments and software and stuff like that and I, i'm in awe of that and uh uh so yeah but it's it's i could put like a, a radio show together or something like that and and say all right that didn't quite hit the mark or i could say yeah that nailed it that told the story i wanted to tell but Mm. it's a story told by others if you know what i mean right you're you're like people who have already made the music so you're literally having to kind of sit there and come up with every element of it and i yeah i'm i'm in awe of stuff like that constantly um so yeah but i
2: guess since you have the ability to actually like review and and break things down into detail means you're just on that you're on the same level in terms of detail um you're just coming from a different angle right yeah that's of you know I mean? yeah i
0: guess so yeah
2: like to yeah, me I, that's I, how i that's how i say that's my perspective like it's just mm. too many too many sides to this coin like there's more it's like a multi-sided coin it's like a dodecahedron coin and there's a <laughs> lot of sides and there's a lot of right. paths to attaining that specific sort of like I said, work ethic, but also honing the ability to um, really bring disparate sort of parts together, um, which is what I did over the course of twenty years with just pirate software, and then just just fucking learn it inside out over the course yeah. of twenty plus years to to replicate sounds that I was loving. So initially, when I started beat making, it was ripping off Timbo mostly, like Timberland beats. Mm. And it was me building my own sound library as well. So I'd actually sample Timberland's beats, the, the open kicks, hi-hats, snares, you know, and other sound effects. Mm. Um, and then trying to replicate the swagger that was in Timbo beats, you know, the right. odd time signatures. And then ble- that bled into Dilla. So early JD was also right. a big driver of it. Um, DJ Quick was a big driver of it uh early roots all like people actually use to steal drums from and actually replicate their sound and then learn how to where to place the kick or where to place the hi-hat like just by listening 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 replicating so i got a whole like bunch of beats that sound like early jd beats you know from like the right midnight mid to late 90s because I cribbed most of his drum sounds, you know, (laughs) like through meticulous meticulous um, waveform editing and plucking um, and then cleaning up, you know, like all of that was just doing. Like I don't know what the fuck I was doing. I was just like I know I had to get a few things, uh, a few tools together in a tool set and then I had to build up an arsenal of sounds that I wanted to be, you know, unique, whereas most Mm. people might go for like – pre-made, pre-loaded sort of uh, sound packs that you might get. Um, but I wanted to kind of build my own identity for myself, not even for like anyone else. I just wanted to be like, well, I want to get confident at, at making something that sounds like Timbo or something that sounds like Dilla. If mm. I feel like I can match them in my mind's eye and in my ear, kind of like how Dilla used to do, uh, he would – Redo his favorite uh, producers' styles, like Pete Rock was a big one, um, and yeah. then basically he'd end up outdoing them. <laughs> but um, which is not like I'm—I'm I'm not saying I'm going to get to that level, but like it's just the act of doing it that actually sharpens yeah. all those skills, and it's like all in aid of just fucking German efficiency. You know what I mean? Like just really, just <laughs> it's almost like an assembly line mentality. As soon as you lock in. It's like, yep, this is the characters, this is the context. It's just a matter of sitting there getting getting it done. Um, so there, that's why the theme, it wasn't even, it was over two days technically, but it was like literally the first day was like just finding the sample and, and looping it and, and sequencing the track, which might have taken like an hour. And then the next day was just writing the words and then recording and then um, mixing it down basically. Right, uh, which was like maybe another hour, so a couple hours tops, like in terms of like man hours. Yeah, it's <laughs> man hours. What does that even mean, man hours? <laughs> like mutant hours?
0: Which yeah, I know. I get it.
2: <laughs> kind of dovetails perfectly into what we're talking about, anyway. But it's...
0: <laughs> yeah, well, dude. it's a, it's a brilliant tune. Honestly, I get like infinite joy from it. Um. And uh man, uh, yeah, anything uh, again. Don't feel under pressure because I think we should just play each one every episode. So the next episode we should play both of them, and then on episode three, all three. <laughs> no, <shit. laughs> they all no. deserve their credit and respect. You're gonna have like half
2: the podcast taken up by just the yeah. themes. Now I'm thinking, I was thinking something similar, but each episode I'll give you a different one, and then That's cool. uh at the end of like however many, I'll put it all together until it's like an album that we can put up online separately and be like the supple and lean the sounds of supple and lean i'm actually kind of keen on just naming it supple and lean live at the house of blues i think we kind of joked about that (laughs) the other time but that really stuck with me (laughs) i'm gonna fake uh, a live house of blues performance somehow
0: I that would be know, amazing that. and we yeah we could do a whole review about uh it nearly didn't happen due to travel issues <laughs> and uh quarantine you know they, we didn't know if the venue would allow us to perform oh, but there was such yeah. a, a groundswell of support that they had to open the doors absolutely and the fire marshals turned up right at the end and yeah fire marshals. <laughs> we had to odb it and run out at the end. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah you know shit's real when you gotta odb it man yeah. And yeah actually now, now that i think about it it would be like the house of blues album would be the live interpretations of the pre-recorded themes that i'd be coming up with right. right so say like 10 of them and then it'd be like the the house of blues version like how quick had a house of blues and uh rafael sadiq had like a yeah. house of blues who goes through his hits and plays them live yeah, so this is what I mean. Like, if you just give me the, the, the actual thread, I'll just keep pulling and pulling and pulling. And next thing you know, there's like 10 fucking projects. There's a whole discography planned out. Uh, there's a story behind the fucking characters. Like, it's, yeah, just kind of takes, uh, takes on a life of its own, which is it's probably amazing. the fun part. Yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah. as relates to, I guess, the, this being episode two, how would we... How would you surmise the the podcast if if some if someone said, Hey, uh, what's 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 supple and lean, man? And you would say, Let me tell you it was <laughs> <is> this. <laughs>
1: well, sir. <laughs> let me tell you
2: that's first of all, how are you gonna ignore the title of supple and lean? Like Yes, yeah. Yeah, you, know you said Actually, if you hear if you're a Turtles fan and you hear that the title Shredder in Hell and it doesn't fucking, <laughs> you know, tickle your Particularly your um, sharp, pointy um, armbands, <laughs> then you're not much of a fan. So, supple and lean, like I know that has its roots in me uh, misremembering the lyrics to um, Dancing Queen, but yes, right. now it's given birth to a very compelling duo. Like, I would want to go see supple and lean live because <laughs> um, there's something there's just as inbuilt machismo and confidence, you know, yes. it built into that, that fucking, those names. So yeah. I don't know, like we we don't, we're, we're working on our identity. Like this will continue to evolve, you know, yes. to me, this is how it, how it works. So yeah, we're
0: figuring it out. Yeah. But I mean, have we, cool.
2: have we chosen which one we would want to be in terms of representative of who's supple. Which and character? Yeah. No,
0: I think that's part of the 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 whole enigma of it. We don't yeah. even know. Exactly, I think that's that's brilliant. So if anyone asks, you know, we I think I don't know. There's got to be like an I am sparkless moment. I am supple. I am lean. No. And then you know, it's like we just we both I say the same. I am supple. Name. <laughs>
1: I am lean.
0: <laughs> You're supple and lean. I'm suppler and leaner. <laughs> I am
2: supplest and leanest. Leaneth and suppleth. <laughs> Suppleth and leaneth, that's like our medieval counterparts
0: yeah <laughs> and we've actually forgot that the the, the, um, the um, mc and dj part of it as well how, how that yeah yeah me? actually yeah. this is
2: bang on because in the in the theme i wrap it uh in like the way where i kind of switch perspectives like uh you can't right. tell if i'm actually supple or lean because i make reference yes. to myself as both i did that on purpose yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah it's actually um on brand so far that's good
0: <laughs> very good yeah okay well, this is more thought out than we realized this is <laughs> talented
2: dude like even like there's just the most random shit like so lean <laughs> here we are one podcast later like who knows man just who knows what the fuck's gonna happen we we'll probably have a product range at some point i would imagine
0: oh wow um, okay what would we yeah what would we we be endorsing
2: exactly exactly uh-huh.
0: What would we be?
2: (laughs) If we're supple and what would supple and lean endorse? You know, knowing them as we do, very not much at all, but you know, we have a small idea. (laughs) What would they be into? Like, what do you reckon? What kind of products would they be into?
3: Man, supple
2: um,
0: lean like dietary, maybe. Yeah, I'm getting everything from from face care. To uh <laughs> face care, to knitwear, <laughs> to face is, care, to is knitwear. that what they call it yeah. in the UK? over oh, here. Hang on, over here we
2: call moisture, third right? base.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what happened? No, wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's subliminal. We could have our own pot noodle range now. It's a Ooh. thing now. Pot noodle. Oh. Supple there and lean noodles. I mean that. Yeah, that works. That, that works does work anyway. actually. Yeah, need someone to make them now. Yeah, or, or barbecue stuff. So just basically surmising <laughs> things we've already talked about.
2: Anything we can leverage with the with the name with the word lean, like lean meat, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh we're meat. back to the Greek fucking fruitura uh, meat salesman <laughs> at the market trope a bit again, eh? Oh, well, I gotta that Supple and Supple
0: <laughs> Yeah, maybe yeah, Russell Crowe will give us a shout out in Thor
2: Five.
1: <laughs> oh dear lord! Oh man, dude, did um, you?
2: Uh, random aside. I mean, I think this mm. is the podcast in which we can probably touch on a bit of MCU, but um, yeah, unplanned. But dude, like, Hemi has gone full like one eighty. And he's like completely just had enough. He's he's done with Taika and he's done with Goofy Thor. Like he's just totally. Oh, he's
0: made comments about it or something.
2: Yeah, heaps. <laughs> he's made quite a bit. Oh, um, he's made it vocally. Like he's he's been pretty vocal about it. Um, he wasn't really happy. I, I guess same as everyone else with uh, love and chunder. So <laughs> I'm not even really sure if he's fully done. He might potentially be wooed back if he's got the right. Project, I guess, to, to see cards. him off, yeah, like yeah. we like we were talking about. He needs that like one good send off to see him out, because um, we know Iron Man's never coming back. RDJ st- said as much recently. ScarJo also said no more Black Widow. That's all done and dusted. Um, oh, wow did she? Yeah, uh, Chris Evans said he's hesitant to return to Cap because he's kind of um, doesn't want to fuck it up, like in terms of the work he'd already done. Mm. Um, so most of the OGs are kind of gone now, they're getting phased out. So, if he's gonna go, we were never gonna be happy with that That being his fucking last yeah. outing. Like, at least Guardians will get their last outing as well. That looks like it's gonna be pretty, at least, decent. Mm. Um, you saw Ant Man and everything? Like, I guess we, can no, touch I haven't like seen,
0: also. I haven't seen the, the Quantumania yet. Yeah, mm. Um, yeah so I, I don't know I mean I, I the third films are always really interesting at the moment because usually it means it's the end of the the contract so I'm always curious as to what the plan is to to kind of wrap it up um so yeah I I'm trying not to I think I I have accident you know stumbled onto by a complete accident I know what the post credit scene is for Quantumania. i won't reveal it but um, yeah yeah so I um so yeah i'm i I don't know what happens say at the end of the film as such but uh so i'm i'm yeah i am very curious to know how it's going to go i just couldn't arrange to have seen it in the the cinema which is annoying but um um i'm 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 keen to see it so um so yeah it's always interesting guardians i think is going to be i think that definitely will be the end um and it'll be interesting how to see how they wrap it up um yeah i think it'll be quite a heavy one actually
2: yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be rather emotional. And I think it's, from everything I read about it, it's supposed to be uh, Rocket's story. Like, I think it's centered on him oh, wow. a lot more uh, a lot more front and center. I think you get a bit more about his history, um, mm-hmm. his backstory. And, yeah, probably, I don't know which, maybe one or two of them might cark it. I'm
0: guessing Drax will probably get killed off. I'm betting. I wouldn't be surprised. He's on... Well, actually, but if, if he does, then it would be... In essence james gunn who killed him so but like mm. he's on quite bad terms apparently with with marvel yeah but um, no, yeah. from the james gunn yeah from the james gunn initially being fired he was very vocal about what a mistake he deemed it to be mm. um and um apparently there was a a thing because they actually they asked all the actors to come back and contribute to the um, the what if animated show mm. and they didn't ask him apparently mm. uh, they used drax but they didn't ask batista to to be a part of it which he put on twitter where someone said why aren't you in it because no one asked me he was like oh yeah. my god <laughs> uh, so he does seem to be quite bad terms with them uh, but still in great you know terms on with james Gunn. so um, yeah he seemed like he was done though with the character as well
2: i think drax yeah just became a bit too like a much of a comedic foil when like if you check into his comics origins, he's he is like an antagonist to uh, to Thanos. Like he does go toe to toe with him, and he's mm-hmm. he's got a lot more. Like his his backstory is pretty tragic. So yeah, I think in, in the comics, he's treated a bit more seriously, whereas he's kind of just become a bit of a goofball in the MCU. Yeah, they don't really know what to do with him outside mm-hmm. of that. Um, yeah, I think, I think he was kind of over that as well, but I'm like, man, look, Batista, like you're okay in terms of an actor, but like, you're not winning any awards, mate. Like mm. take it easy, you know, like he, yeah. <laughs> he did all right in, um, Blade Runner 2049, right? the sequel. Yep. Like he actually really impressed me just with that opening scene that he had, mm. um, like, he had a real presence there. Like, he he was real. Like, he, was, he wasn't he was wrestler turned actor, sort of right. artista, you know. Like, it was – he actually showed that he had some range and shit. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's all about how – it's all about the character and how they get treated, I guess. Like, it could be a goofy character as well and you could still find some meaning in that and, and find some joy in actually portraying it. I think some yeah. of these actors just get over it as well. Like especially with these Marvel roles they could drag on sometimes and multi-picture deals and shit. Mm. Um, certainly I think there's been a bit of a bit of fatigue in that regard as well just in terms of audience reactions as well and um mm. like Ant-Man technically is a flop. Like it didn't Yeah. didn't really hit with audiences much as well. Uh wasn't mm. wasn't really a big fan favorite. Um so uh, again I think we did, we touched on previous movies how they get kind of meddled with in post production yeah. during production and that's seemingly the case with this one too I think Peyton Reed was the director he had a much more serious toned movie in mind and and again I think they shot and reshot uh majority of this film to rejig that vibe to make it more marvel and uh, always chuck in a quip or a joke every five minutes. Um, make the daughter of the main character some like super genius who's in also and very insufferable and knows everything. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was just like it just turned into like same old Marvel face four ish kind of stuff that we've been getting. But you just keep seeing this hint of like the original it always comes out like after the film, like in in terms of the articles and shit that I read about it, it's always, Oh, it was actually started out as this and what it started out as always sounded like some, you know, phase one, phase two kind of stuff. Yeah. Like it would have been similar on par kind of quality wise as well, but just seems to be this just, yeah, hard shift away from quality. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm ranting now. It's an MCU rant.
0: No, uh, it's yeah. it's it's. I know. I know. I know. Completely agree what you mean. I I understand what you mean because it's. I imagine these things to get. To use the word political, but it's not the right word at all. But like you, they have to balance so much. You know, every film has to almost be a vehicle for what's next mm-hmm. and how it fits into other projects that are coming out in that same time. It, you know, every every film that they do now is a jigsaw puzzle so it can't just be a standalone thing in theory because it has to connect with the thing before the thing after the thing in three films time and um it's i think they've kind of worked themselves into a a bit of a tricky situation like it's a staggering achievement i'm still you know forever in awe of everything that they've achieved and the the fact that these stories kind of go across so many different media and platforms and i just think it's amazing but i think disney plus was the thing that kind of anointed its success but also killed it Mm. not killed it but damaged it because you're now having to create and you know you're 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 providing content for a channel so if you don't provide new content people watch it all and then they they cancel subscription because there's nothing new Mm. um so i understand the the problems that they face but you know i just think like phase four has some some wonderful moments some amazing amazing moments amazing films and uh some of the shows were great but it was just too much uh, for me i just thought it was really just just too much stuff mm. and um i, I get this one of those victim of your own successes really for me anyway that's my kind of look on it but if they could just take the time and Maybe Feige could just concentrate on a few smaller things as opposed to having, hey, you know, hi, Feige, we've got 20 things to discuss in this one meeting, as opposed to let's <laughs> focus on these five imminent things, you know, that um, that are coming up as opposed to uh, the amount of shows and everything that they've got. It's just, it's just It just seems like it's just way too much, but I well, understand yeah, the problem.
2: Yeah, they've actually, um, I mean, they have made that pivot. Uh, I think even maybe a month or so ago, it started getting reported that they will be scaling back uh, D plus shows, or at least the release schedules, will be pushed like way out now. Mm. So you're only going to get like maybe Loki and Secret Invasion just this year. You might just get those right. two. Whereas initially you were going to get like three other shows. I think Echo was supposed to come out, Ironheart, um, a few others, um, Agatha, uh, Coven of Chaos. Oh, yes, like, of course, yeah. do we really need? an agatha series yes <laughs> like... well,
0: you're right i mean it could be amazing but it i suppose you're right if if you're picking out every interaction with with a character i mean yeah you could do shows on but that's the, my point like in terms of disney plus is this this infinite space mm. and it's got a you know the budgets that they have it's like sure let's <laughs> let's do that but you're right it's it's a kind of a bold pitch really like uh yeah like know. there's still so much um there's still so many
2: so many like uh, stories you can tell using your A sort of characters, you know? Um, Yeah. And now you're sort of coming up with like, again, I think I touched on this on previous discussions. I love the expansion part. Like that's, that's fun for me as a, as a creative. If you're in something like an MCU, uh, early MCU would have been a a freaking blast, like for creatives. And they were Mm -hmm. able to get people like Kenneth Branagh to come in and direct fucking Thor. You know what I mean? Like they had name, Actual name directors and writers putting in some work, um, which paid off huge. And now, uh, Feige for season uh, season, uh, phase four, uh, I think we touched on this a little bit, um, didn't go so much with like big, name, big names for directors and writers. He we actually went the opposite route for phase four, which was more about, uh, utilizing, say, first time directors or directors who'd only, uh, had one feature film under their belt, like Chloe Zhao, mm. who directed The Eternals. Right. That was like a, only like a second film. <laughs> and it's like fucking half a billion dollar budgeted affair. It's, um, yeah. And that was, you know, and now he's come out in the, in recent article saying Marvel to return to g- getting big names uh, for their films now. So they're going to try to hunt mm. down, like I think established directors and writers again, potentially we're seeing a shift because it, that they, they, believe it or not, they have been getting a little bit of backlash lately. Like the mm. the Marvel sort of sheen has worn off a little bit, um, especially with, I guess, Jonathan Majors and some of the issues that's been in the news about him. Right. Um, like abuse allegations and things like that. Like we don't know what the yeah. outcome of that is, what the truth is or whatever yet, but like that whole scenario, if you've looked into it, it looks a bit odd as well. And Marvel haven't really spoken on it but like his talent agency his pr agency dropped him he's been like cut from ad campaigns and upcoming films like he's he's on like cancel train like they're they're really going for him hard um but marvel still uh are keeping him on um apparently like i guess you know we we can't really judge that until we uh
0: get some more yeah. like really- well the last time they were trigger happy was well it wasn't marvel as such it was disney wasn't it when they got rid of james gunn uh perhaps a little bit foolishly to be honest and it obviously heavily impacted their whole schedule and so i think they probably thought Wait, let's not be too reactionary until we know what's happening yeah i mean to be fair as well like okay fine
2: like they found some pretty nasty old tweets um they were weird weren't they yeah, but he was, he was weird. He's got a weird background, man. He's hes just <laughs> a strange, like, nah, straight up. But the dude's a strange dude. Um, he even, he even admits it. Like, people around him admit it too. But like, you know, hes they also admit that he has made a concerted effort to change, and I think the Guardians films actually helped him. He even said it himself. Like, it, it helped him to sort of get over this forced edginess that he used to sort of put into his persona online, which resulted in right. some, like, tasteless shit. Um, but, you know, if we if we were able to go back to any one of our postings throughout the history of our online presence, like you're going to find some questionable shit, Mm. um, whether or not you intended to come across that way. Like it's, you know, may not be the case, but Mm. like the internet's there and it's as far as we know, uh, shit hangs around, you know, forever. So (laughs) um, yeah. 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 So anyway, that was a little dip in the toe to Marvel. So mm. uh, 45 minutes into it, shall we? Uh, <laughs> so look, this was from from what I remember last. I know we are covering another graphic novel miniseries, which is The Secret yes. History of the Foot Clan. Absolutely. But I also did rewatch Turtles 3. Which I believe yes. was on the docket, so I'm hoping you rewatched it recently too, as well. And-
0: I have, yeah, it's been a, a few <laughs> weeks, but um, uh, that would probably be a good place. To- Actually, before we do, mm. I've got one more bit of uh, uh, turtle uh, info, or not info, um, but just as a precursor to this conversation. The um, new film, uh, Mutant Madness, yeah, Mutant, yeah, Man. the new film, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did it- oh, the trailer? Uh, I thought the trailer looked great yeah i think it looked
2: yeah like i mean the animation looked cool and they're acting like teens like proper teens and Mm. um i think (laughs) and look this is again because i'm kind of always online i'm I'm always trying to sort of gauge the pulse of the the community fan communities in general and Mm. um yeah they're calling foul a little bit on like the right race swapping of april o'neill in this Uh, for some reason like they've turned April into um, like a portly I think black teenager you know what I mean like right um, and then the justification being used is that oh April was originally black in the original comics Um, and that was started to sort of be propagated as truth when in fact that was never the case it wasn't Um, (laughs) no who said it was Well, because it was in black and white and she she was all – in the original apparently she looked a bit ethically ethically ambiguous because she was based on one of the the girlfriends of Eastman or Laird at the time and I think she was maybe a little – she had like an Asian background. But April had like curly hair, right? But it was the 80s. It looked like kind of permed. Everyone had that style. But in the current narrative, it's been twisted to be like – no, no, this is completely, uh, you know, ba- it's based on the law and history. She was originally black because she had this curly hair that only apparently black people had in the 80s. I'm like, I don't think so. Like, I don't think she was ever portrayed as anything but, I don't know, Caucasian. Like, that's what she, she looked like. And But, yeah, um, there was like a – But didn't she
0: yeah. – I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to go all the way back now. Didn't she – debut in the back with a uh, baxter stockman
2: uh i believe so yeah issue two was her introduction she was a lab assistant initially
0: yeah but but Bax, baxter was black wasn't he
2: exactly that's the one like baxter was right, okay. originally black and he was white in the cartoons so yeah yeah it's just really odd man like it's people mm, just okay. latch onto random shit and um use it for one part of the argument or the other. But that's been a bit of a sticking point. And then the fact that I think Seth Rogan's behind the whole thing. Yeah. And he's had a bit of a spotty record lately as well with some of the stuff he's been involved with. And mm. but, you know, it's turtles. Like, um, I'll take it on board. I think most people who, who make the Turtles content are actually fans too. Mm. Um, you can tell like they're a bit more passionate about it.
0: Um, but I don't know, looks like fun. I'll give it a squiz. Yeah, I'm I'm actually yeah, we were my my yeah my my daughter actually kind of we saw it the trailer together and both thought okay yeah she she will used to be a massive uh turtle fan for many years uh and so it'll be brilliant to kind of reconnect uh with her on that and go to the cinema when it comes out so I'm, i'm enthused on that level um but like you said you know if you're if if you kind of get involved in a project like this and you tend to be a fan, but Mm. that's kind of one of the interesting things about turtles because there are so many iterations of it, even just on screen, it comes down to, well, what are you a fan of? Because Mm. what will you be emulating as such? Like what, what aspect of it? Have you gravitated to that you want to kind of put out there because that's one of the sort of the the points about what we're discussing today? And it, funnily enough, uh, we're talking about, as you said, secret history of the Foot Clan and Turtles Three, and both involve a a trip uh one uh, physically going back in time but both revolve around feudal japan yes uh, which is a part of (laughs) the turtle's law that you and i both really really embrace but as much as that is a part of the turtle law that you know the the kind of goofy um surfer dude kind of hey man blah 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 pizza Mm. is a part of the turtle law and as well as venturing off to space with um krang and tcri or tgri and that's sort of a massive part of the turtle lore as well so there are so many facets to it so it's always interesting about where what what in, what a, a creator of uh someone that carries that turtle torch what is it they're trying to mm. emulate and what is it they're a particularly a fan of
2: I, I do like the synchronicity of what we've uh, decided to cover yeah. as well like i didn't do that on purpose i just did that because i hadn't watched we, we either of us hadn't watched turtles 3 for a while mm. um i guess it was good to go back and touch touch base on it and see if anything had changed or how, what we thought of it now but yeah they both deal with um sort of the history of the the story itself yeah we just go all the way back to mm. feudal japan that's that's kind of its roots yeah. um which is what i love about this story and i guess shredder in hell um both which, of which involves story and scripting by um, Mate, Mateo Santoluco. That's the name that we keep seeing, like, on the artwork as well. I think he, he might be involved, I think, with the cover art. I'm not sure if he does artwork as well, but he's mostly story and script, I think. So he he did Shredder and Hell and he did this one too. Um, and, um, yeah, the, the quality uh, the quality of the writing is awesome because it does get into this mythical backstory. Um does sort of ground you in a sense in terms of like steeps you a little bit in like real world history in the past. Um but then obviously adds its own, you know, supernatural sort of lean to it. A supple lean. Um <laughs> oh wow. Wow.
0: Okay. How did that happen? They're just yeah. natural. You can't you can't nope. you can't fight it. It's you nope. gotta go with it. <laughs>
2: couldn't have planned that um but yeah i, I love so what should
0: we uh, jump into yeah, yeah. well actually what, what what should we jump into first should we go into the comic book or should we go into the the movie
2: um let's go into the comic book yeah let's let's save okay. the movie for for later there'll be a funny yeah funny way to close out but
3: um <laughs>
2: i feel like the, this particular story so the secret History of the Foot Clan. This is, we actually covered a lot of this in the previous discussion because I did a lot of the backstory sort of covering in the, in the first episode that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Which actually just tells that story again. Um, the history of uh, Tetsuo. What's his name again? Tetsuo. Uh, uh,
0: Takashi Tetsuo. Takashi
2: Tetsuo. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably will jump back and forth a little bit. So it is four issues. Sure. It's a four issue mini series, but at the end of issue 1 imran at the end of issue 1 when we when we are getting a reference to the iron demon did you expect to see no. that person no at the end of issue 1 standing I'm, there
0: well i'm right fucking I, I, actually, we could- <laughs> at the end of fucking issue 1 what? i did not expect that like <laughs> what so i'm a bit um right so obviously we're venturing through this idw series and we're kind of being a <laughs> there's kind of a scattergun approach to how we're doing it we've done the last ronin mm. uh and uh shredder and hell we're now doing secret History of the foot clan so uh, we're going i think you've seen, you've read a few more things than i have but we're kind of again it's very scattergun approach and who krang is what krang is specifically is not covered irritatingly no. <laughs> during this story. So I'm still kind of had left hanging. And I do I have to go back? Do I have to go forward? How do I get this <laughs> resolved? But yeah. yes, Krang in a brilliant introduction, like it's not like obviously it had to come from something and they've kind of shot down the notion of this demon thing that we they 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 think they're serving you know they're serving Mm. it's not a demon it's i guess uh, well we don't know he'll be revealed to be an alien from planet krang or uh, whatever if there'll be a technodrome underneath the ground but like (laughs) we don't know I, i i'm i'm completely left in the dark as to who he is and what his motivation is. We don't even really find that out across those, this story as well.
2: So that's I think that's the dangerous danger, but that's like the, the bit that we're going to miss out on is because these are still taking place in the IDW continuity. So they're mini series that are sandwiched in between issues. So we're always going to be missing what happened just uh. before and what's going to happen just after. That's why the, the last one I read ahead to issue 100 to find yes. out and you know what happened. So this is actually just—it—it's just, everything connects though. So he's the so Krang's involved as the Iron Demon as some kind of facilitator for um, the immortality side of things, right? I think he's the one that actually provides that. Or yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but then in Shredder and Hell, we get even deeper with it when we go all the way back and we we go through the sort of demigod route. With Katsune and the dragon warrior and the original dragon spirit that they confront in Hell, mm. so it's like there's there's a lot of uh, elements at play um, that help sort of make the entire Foot Clan experience come to life in on these well at least these couple of is yeah.
3: Um,
2: which I love. I love going yes. back, delving deep into this kind of shit. It actually reminds me the way it's it's playing out is and it's, it's very adult too like is fairly violent as well it's i think it's staying true to the to the og comics is mm. quite violent um but it also reminds me of the sort of world building that takes place in uh, avatar the last airbender um in the kind of three seasons of that cartoon right. um it sort of builds this world that's intertwined with myth so um I think it gets touched on in the opening panels by Dr. Miller, who's the, the doctor who's looking into the history of the full clan and the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and as per his observations, um, he's talking about how, uh, well, you can pretty much draw on a lot of history and, and um, just the sort of carrying on of information from generation to generation through mythology. And how myth is usually like the basis of whatever we call truth. It just gets um, sort of de-emphasized over time. So, for example, in modern times, we assume myth is a simple, colorful way of describing things um, in a less evolved state, which is just this like A to B to C sort of progression that we have in our heads. Uh, Because we're here now, we're at an advanced level. Our past ancestors must have been worse off whereas it's usually not the case Um, what we usually find is that our ancestors were a lot more developed human beings um, almost in every single way uh, even technologically so anything that's myth should be treated with that same sort of uh, respect and be taken seriously because myth is really what carries our story forward the story of humanity—it's um, what gets preserved in myth. Mm-hmm. Because what happens every so often, there'll be some kind of worldwide calamity, right? You can't stop the world catching flame or being inundated with with a biblical flood. Shit will just just get washed away overnight. But some shit persists, and and it persists through myth. Um, it survives despite all. And every sort of upheaval, cataclysm, or calamity. Like, there's a real value in, in mythology in general. If you, if you really look into it, um, it's, it's how we maintain mm-hmm. our story. So, it's really cool that they sort of introduced that concept to, on a deeper level and being like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is the story of the Foot Clan. It's some kind of funky lecture at a university, but it really is delving into something that's, you know, true and,
0: and real in that sense and that was it's really funny actually because i kind of made an I, it when it cuts to doc, kind of this dr miller recounting this story uh which i'll surmise in a moment but it's it felt very surreal the very first time because it's like that was the first time i've i can i can remember uh, so, uh like any character acknowledging actually no apart from the first turtles movie but the first time you see uh uh a normal character acknowledge this world like like the foot clan and the turtles is really they're only been relatable to each other the turtles talk about the foot clan and the disaster and who they are but it was like like it was like everyone knew who the foot clan was to the point where you have professors examining it and doing lectures about it. <laughs> yeah. and it and nobody was like who are the foot clan they, you know they're very aware of who they were and i thought oh that's kind of cool that it's kind of acknowledged on this grander scale of you know people know who it is and they're not just a funky
2: like- club for podiatrists that's true.
0: Exactly. yeah <laughs> exactly so it kind of felt yeah that one that stood out straight away for me so that was kind of cool as you've said but
2: Mm, it was cool to frame it around that, yeah. Um, yes. Like a framing device. So they cut, that allows you to cut back and forth so they can do like flashbacks and then flash forwards. Um, very good use of, uh, of, of that yeah. to tell the story as well and link everything uh, together. Yes. Um, yeah, so again, I'm, I'm going to be jumping back and forth. I think in the second issue, something I really liked, it was very small, but um, I really love the writing as well i feel like it's maintaining the spirit of who the characters are and the quips are very quippy i think they're very the references and callbacks and member berries are very um cute like donnie touches based on what his online handle is at one point and it's does machines right did you catch that it was like d-u-z machines in one word that was like his online handle um donnie does machines (laughs) Um, and I like how the like, the turtles are designed. So if you mm-hmm. pay attention to the um to the individual designs, like Raph and Leo in particular, look pretty mean and a little battle hard and a little scarred, and their yeah. their bandanas are a little ragged and shit. Um, I did like that. I like that touch. So it it definitely it tickles my adult TMNT um fancy which Mm. is spearheaded by the first live action film. So anything in that vein is automatically like a thumbs up for me. Mm. Um, So I guess getting into issue one, issue one to issue two, um, what was issue two predominantly about? Um, Or what did you sort of get out of?
0: Um, Well, I guess I'll quickly, if I, if I may, just to, uh to touch on the very beginning of issue one i wanted mm. to to kind of talk about uh takashi tatsuo i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly tatsuo mm. um like he obviously we is a character i guess from the order that you and i have been reading things he's sort of first well the first time i encounter him was in shredder and hell where mm. we kind of see that shredder or excuse me Orokusaki is a reincarnated form of uh takashi tatsuo who we basically are officially introduced to the beginning of uh shredder in hell mm. um and what a, and a great build-up to the story is you know it, it, the way it leads into as you said professor miller's uh kind of summation but like what a you know mega badass kind of character that we're introduced <laughs> to so he's yeah. this uh uh he's a member of the U clan which is headed up by ashikaga mm. U. Mm. um and he's on part to being shogun um and he is basically petrified of yeah. uh takashi and acknowledging that this is a fear he's not supposed to have it of a subordinate because of his car's reputation and abilities mm. he arranges uh, to uh, uh trap him and, and ultimately kill him seems extreme but uh <laughs> he ends up trying to to kill him by sending him on what seems to be a routine mission but uh, there's like a hundred guys waiting to kill him and he kills them all mm. uh, at the expense of his own life and um, uh, is encountered by a, a kitsune who is kitsune. Kitsune's not the person who picks him up and carries him though, is he? Uh, it's like a yeah. person. Isn't it? I'm, pretty is sure. that I'm pretty sure that's her. Yeah, because in the story, it's,
2: it's kitsune who actually discovers... Uh, uh, Takeshi Tatsuo and then and takes right. him back to that cave and restores his leg um, no, I was wondering if sure. it
0: was Krang because he she's he seemed quite a large person the way he sort of threw him over the yeah. him over his shoulder and carried I guess look it, it, it sure could potentially be
2: yeah it could potentially be mm. Krang but I don't know I don't know what he'd be doing hanging around in that time period he he's kind of just like the like the big bad kind of I think that's how he's been presented mm. in the story he's just kind of on the outskirts popping in just for a cameo and shit but i'm pretty sure it was katsune yeah i mean look she's a yeah. shapeshifter after all like she could of course shift yeah. into a bigger form um
0: yeah
2: but yeah yeah absolutely um, it's cool like, it was cool seeing yeah. that backstory play out
0: yeah it, it was uh it was amazing so basically tatsuo's story continues later on even that first episode where we first issue of um him you know basically taking this elixir which uh we find out is is supplied by krang um uh he takes is it monthly like he has to take it every like every month uh, to prevent the the aging process and Mm -hmm. he uh starts to use the foot clan for selfish gain and his his you know his subordinates kind of you know tire of the lack of honor that he is running his um Mm. Uh, his clan with and uh, what's the, uh, blah, blah, blah. it's uh, basically Shredder's father. I didn't write his name down, but Shredder's father leads the way. Magi and yeah. uh, he yeah. was, Roku. yes, Roku and Magi, yeah they overthrow uh, Tatsuo, and his subsequent curse is to mm. give um, uh, life to the rebirth the incarnation of the man he uh, overthrew yeah. and killed uh, through his own son, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's epic. <laughs>
2: you know, like the whole restoration scene uh, where you see like the really old Tetsuo um, Before he takes the elixir again and gets replenished, Mm. that that whole thing reminded me of like Ra's al Ghul in like the Batman animated series and the Lazarus Pits. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that that whole concept. Um,
0: oh yes, of course, yeah,
2: yeah, the green goop, similar kind of thing. Um, And it's supposed to sort of restorative powers, keeps him young, but it also fucks with his head. So eventually, the the longer you do that it's just like your mind will deteriorate as well and you'll lose Mm. kind of a grip on sanity. Um, I reckon that might have played a part. I think that process probably had a net negative impact on Takeshi Tetsuo uh, and Orogo Saki, both going through that process. Uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: we're not we're not really introduced to his kind of mindset at any point prior to that, are we? Like, we mm. know he's a badass warrior, but we're not really introduced to any, uh, selfish gains that he's striving for or any, you know, uh, designs on being Shogun or being, you know, uh, kind of amassing any power. He seems to mm. be a subservient soldier, um, who is just, you know, uh, miles above everyone else. But yeah, we're not really introduced to him as an unstable person in any way. So maybe, yeah, absolutely. That that could be what kind of just, you know, on the path it. to just wanting more power.
2: Yeah, or at least like that would have maybe helped bring out that kind of sort of uh behavior. Um mm. But yeah. Yeah, it's just um what what do we get up to? So uh, I guess one thing I really wanted to touch on, this was more towards the end of the of the run. Uh actually what I wanted to say just on what you were talking about is perhaps the limitation of the form, because it's a mini series, whereas if it was like if these were actually full on graphic novels, like if Shredder and Hell was like a dense one thick graphic novel, if this was one thick mm. graphic novel that went beyond the, the the number of pages that are in the four issues that were released. Right. They should have delved a bit more deeper because some of those scenes just felt like too quick. Like the right. we we do know what's happening and we know why, but it's like it literally lasts like one page or two pages and then that's it. We've suddenly mm. got their motivation, their backstory, everything, and like, eh, we could have probably lived a little longer or spent a bit more time um yeah. living with these characters and understanding them a bit better, which I guess we get a bit more of that in Shredder and Hell. Um But if we had, like, a full story dedicated to it, like, the style and tone of it is very, like, um, I don't know. It reminds me almost, like, Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movies as well. It's got an element of that. Um, But then it's got some, like, serious hardcore myth-based storytelling happening too. So it's it's ripe. Like, it it is a very ripe vein to hit. And it's good that TMNT does remind itself that it has this – At its base, uh, at its origins, Um, because it's just, you can tell a lot of good stories around it. Yeah. Um, One thing I do love, and this is something we've touched on, is uh, the portrayal of Michelangelo. uh, You would have loved, uh, I reckon you would have had fun with how they portrayed Mikey in this miniseries, but I really i really love the fact that he suddenly realizes he can tap into like his past self and he can read yeah. japanese script <laughs> japanese <laughs> um the uh, in the ashi no himitsu uh foot clan book yeah um but i really loved what he said he, and he just randomly drops like a, a sage-like nugget uh, on reincarnation like when they go like mikey like what the fuck how are you reading this <laughs> And then they're like talking about reincarnation and and Mikey says like word for word I think he says like the way I see it it's just like playing video games. I can be a superhero plumber yeah. or a robot pilot in a game, but I'm still myself behind the controls. With this it's like my soul is playing this game and it just switched up between a little kid in Japan and a turtle in New York. I'm like, "Oh, Mikey." Like he's again <laughs> he's again like showing this like because even um, you know we touched on the fact that he's like the most effortless out of his out of the four. Yes, he doesn't yeah. have to try hard because the training, the fighting, it's all too easy for him. So he, he f- mm-hmm. focuses on having a good time and, and having a sense of humor. Um, but those are the dudes who are the the true like dragon warriors, and he's the true Ronan. At the at the end of the day, those right, are the, right the, nice. the the ones you got to watch out for. Um, mm-hmm. But the ones that are also probably going to have like some wisdom to drop um, so it's good to good to portray him like that too so he's not always just the goofball we know he's a goofy character because um, he, he's already thinking at a high level he's acting at a high level but he doesn't have to prove it like that's that's what it's actually made me love him even more like I've come around a lot to Mikey a bit more since we've been talking about him you mm-hmm. have really made me made me realize that he he is really actually the most humble out of the four, even though he's like Mm. the most boisterous because I think it's almost like, if you think like in, in, in multiple layers, he'd be doing that to downplay his abilities to, to not overshadow and overpower his brothers. Like to me, that would be really in line with who Mikey is. And it reminded me a little bit of me, and this is going to sound like I'm totally up my own ass, but just bear with me. (laughs) Like, When I hang with musicians, right, and I play with bands, I'm playing with like people who have learned their instrument and their craft since like they were a kid. Like them and their instrument is like I'm playing with like masters and I'm feeling like, well, I didn't have that kind of background. I just kind of learned by doing and I can somehow play and hang and, and sort of hold my own with these kind of masterful musicians. And they look at me and they look for me to guide them and like lead them in a band situation as well. It's like, how did my IQ and my acumen get to this level? Um, but I don't allow myself to sort of give, give those artists every single thing that I can do because I can do a lot. <laughs> There's a lot that I don't do. Um, that I won't do, like I, because specifically not to overshadow um, another artist or not to make them feel a certain way. Because I don't know, I don't know how someone's going to feel. Like there's a, if you're like a singer that's been singing for a long time, and then suddenly I can sort of belt out a tune that that might sound, you know, a lot better.
3: Hmm.
2: Potentially, um, yeah. It's like it's always been a, a little modulation i've had where it's like i'm not going to go f- full v you know uh all the time it's just if there's an opportunity maybe i'll flex uh, a certain skill but i'll always just keep it bubbling you know f- out of respect for the people i'm hanging with and mikey just gives me that vibe you know that's he's, cool yeah. <laughs> he's yeah i don't know what do you think of his uh, portrayal of it being uh, him being the you know, favorite
0: character and everything well i uh- I, I like everything you said firstly. I thought that was very cool kind of likening that to yourself. And uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a cool kind of observation. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, nothing I could say that, that could top what, what, the, you know, uh, the, the eloquent description that you've, you've just given. I mean, he's, um, he's always been my favorite uh, character. Um, he's the one to sort of, the, I think the, the one that probably is the most overlooked you know he's he's the easy source of humor um just oh mikey hasn't said anything for three pages just make him say cow bunker and give him a pizza you know (laughs) like he's that kind of character uh and yeah he's you know rafael has sort of always been i think he's always been the writer's favorites in in many ways um as as leo because they're the sort of the easiest to write it's easy to put the burden of responsibility on their shoulders the burden of guilt and or failure on their shoulders so yeah it's it's that they're, they're characters that lend themselves uh to kind of main focus in in stories but i think when you get mikey right there's he's there's such an infinite um kind of value in him as a character and yes from so from last ronin Like he, I, 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 you know, I think he was really the only person that could have been. Um, And I think uh, it April's daughter, Casey says to him at one point, you know, aren't you supposed to be the funny one Yeah, Uh, because of (laughs) that? He's kind of shed all of that by, by that story, which is just a brilliant um, kind of version of him to kind of see him without that, that, you know, having embraced all this level of responsibility that he is almost shirked (laughs) all these, all these years. So uh, so yeah, he's he's a, he's a brilliant character, and I think um, well, um, it, the the first film alludes to it because it has clips from I think the original four, um, um the original four graphic novels when they have the uh, April's shop being burnt down that they end up using for the film, uh, and when they lose Splinter, you know that that comic book kind of references Mikey as having taken that burden quite badly, but not sharing how he feels about it and he goes excessively trains in in the the, the barn gym and stuff like that yeah. but he doesn't talk about it he doesn't share you know those those concerns and fears and everything he just trains and then when he's not training he'll be jokey again you know so it's it's mm. um he uh, a brilliant brilliant character so yeah you're absolutely right i think as relates to this one um you probably picked up on things i i actually missed but you're right that the, the description of reincarnation was was brilliantly done yeah
2: 100 um and i guess uh what else can we talk about in terms of that i mean it was cool seeing um a karai was in it as well so this is the continuity i think you mentioned that this this is the continuity where karai is actually splinter's daughter is that right
0: yeah yeah
2: Right. So, yeah, I was going into it knowing that as well. I was like, oh, man, it makes sense that um, Saki's that ruthless with her as well because um, mm. that's not really his daughter. And he's probably spiteful and resentful towards her just even though he stole her. Um,
0: yeah, I would imagine he would be as... Like high expectations, though, Mm. uh, as well. So, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. Shredder in general, as well. What did you think about his kind of depiction throughout the story?
2: Um. Yeah, they didn't really paint him to be too sympathetic in this one, as much as they did Shredder Mm. and Hell. Yeah. Which is why I kind of I think I dug Shredder and Hell. For that reason, mostly I think I mentioned that in the first episode is uh, just the fact that they even attempted to um, kind of redeem him was an epic task because he was never really painted as redeemable. Um, but yeah, he we got a bit more of his backstory as well. Um, but more of the of the part where he'd already sort of started to uh, unravel a little bit. Um, was already angry um wasn't very wasn't very kind to Yoshi so it didn't really give us a glimpse into the the just the kid side of him Uh, like we got to Shredder in Hell where he's just a kid playing in the forest with his mate yeah um yeah you know uh but I guess he was still sufficiently badass which is always important we've covered Shredder quite a bit um in previous podcasts too and i think we're in in agreement that he does need to be that way he needs to remain dangerous um that's what makes the character compelling we can't soften him up um and why would you you'd be sacrificing a lot of dope story uh, by doing that um but i thought yeah this was yeah sufficiently badass
0: but he wins like creep of the year award as well because when he's like, you've got them in Japan, and he's like, "Oh, Tang Shen, what's yeah. happening? You're doing all right." And it's like the next scene. I hear you're you're expecting children. I was like,
2: "Oh my god!" He was literally <laughs> like, wrong with just slid up to her and put his arms around her. And was like, "Hey, baby, what's going down, Tang Shin? You looking good, girl? Yeah. <laughs> looking good, Tang Shen? You drinking that
0: Tang?" Mm. <laughs> In my head, I had tension, more like tension. Okay. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> he's grading he's, her. He's <laughs> so low life. Um, but it's like the next yeah. scene. I hear you're expecting children. It's like, oh my god, you are the oh worst. God, lord.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, and, and then when he starts going on his rampage and and he's like killing people's families and Yoshi's like, what's the strategy behind this? And it's like, well, it's just what yeah. they deserve. It's like, fuck.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's the shredder. Yes. But, like, I didn't know in this continuity that he was basically, he he he, he committed harakiri in this. He, he committed suicide. So he killed himself in order to be yes. re- reborn uh, as, a, I guess, an immortal. Um, so I guess he technically is. Is he? Is he an immortal being? Like I guess that's what we pick up in Shredder in Hell. Like, was he already an immortal at that point? Is that is that what? I
0: mean, he he must be. I mean, he he's reborn at the end of this, isn't it? You see him that beautiful final shot Mm. of him at the top of the building, looking at the city of light. Like, oh, brilliant! Like callback to that that phrase used earlier. And Mm. what a if I could have that printed and framed. You know, it's just it's a a great great shot. Mm. Um, But I I mean, I, I he. I guess he must be. I mean, but then he gets his he's uh, decapitated, isn't he? Um when um by by Splinter uh, for Shredder and How So mm. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what the rules of immortality are here. Maybe you're immortal until your head gets chopped off. Well, <laughs> <Ooh>, that's Highlander. <laughs> like Highlander. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. There's a lot of these rules that cross over with other properties, man. Yeah. Like um, even if you've ever seen Altered Carbon, if you ever saw any any
0: of that show, Oh, I watched. Oh gosh, one maybe two episodes. Then I think we just got sidetracked. But it's still on our list of things to go back to. I did yeah. enjoy it. Do
2: it, man. Do it because yeah. visually, conceptually, uh, yeah, it's it's really heady shit. Like it's it's all about immortality. Like if you've got the opportunity right. to live forever, what does that do to the human mind? Not just your body. Your body will be fine because what what happens in altered carbon is you can just basically download to new versions of your body you can just clone your body um move yourself from one to the other um like properly actually transfer Mm. download into a thing and then plug back into the new to the new meat sack Um, but what that does to people's minds is that it completely just turns them all into like cold sociopaths at some point (laughs) um because there's just no end right um uh, like the ending gives gives it meaning because we don't have control right. over the end. But what if you did? You just kept extending your life out, extending, extending. I think there was a scene in the book too where um, I think it was Takeshi Tatsuo who was like, I'm so sick of this. Like this just keeps happening over and over. Like, you know, he's basically mm. just saying like just just let it end, you know, just just let me die. <laughs> you know, it's, it's mm. like do – even if you wanted to live forever, would you really? Like if you actually sat and thought it through, um, how far would you want to live? Like would you want to live till the end of the age, of the life age of the entire earth? When would that be? You know what I mean? Like there's some real yeah. like yeah, absolutely. mind-blowing sort of numbers you can come up with in terms of um, what, what do I accomplish if I'm living forever? Everyone else would have to live forever too because – You'd constantly be having families, children. You'd be outliving everybody as well. Everyone else would be living and dying. There's so many fucked up things that you'd have to go through actually being an immortal. It's, it's, I wouldn't actually choose it. I would... Um,
0: it's, it is interesting. It's yeah. sort of your circumstances though, isn't it? Because if... Mm. Did you ever see um, The Good Place?
2: No. I've I d- I heard a lot of people tell me to to, to, to actually get into it. I, I caught eps here and there, but I never...
0: It's, watched it all the way through it's a lot of fun it, it is great it's a you know great cast and they get loads of brilliant cameos and stuff like that mm. but they kind of raise an interesting question at some point not revealing the ending or anything but the notion of even just uh, the afterlife being infinite and limitless and then it's sort of like well i mean this has to end right <laughs> and it's yeah. like well, no it doesn't end it's like um okay and then you know you almost have people that have achieved a a state of bliss for like centuries and it's kind of like i'm ready for it to end like Mm. i i I have there's nothing here but but the difference there is you you are surrounded by everybody you know everyone in in your afterlife is in the same situation so it's you're not you're not losing people but you still reach a, a point of content where you're just like i'm good like i am totally happy for this to to kind of end now i've right you know this is as perfect as it gets for as long as it can be but you're right to to be immortal in a but to be immortal in an ever-changing world to see those things change and to see you know Mm. gosh another hundred years flying cars and Mm. another hundred years after that the world's blown up with you know aliens inhabiting it you know whatever it is it there is that allure to it of like well yeah. You know, if you could be around uh, from 100 years ago to see it now, oh my god, you know, it'd Absolutely. be incredible. So
2: that's actually why like uh, my favorite TV show of all time is Angel. And that's one of the things I love about it, of many things I love about that show is that they delve into the main character's backstory. He's He's got like a two he's been alive for about 250 something years uh, when we right. catch up with him in the TV show and every episode or every other episode is a flashback to some part of his history. Um, where it's just kind of fleshed out over a large span of time, um, yeah, they did that pretty well. Mm. Um, I forgot my main point. So, what were you just saying? I know I do this every podcast. <laughs> I start getting <laughs> onto like uh, a point. Oh yeah, I was trying to tie it into uh, Angel in general. So
3: yes,
2: um, there was that, and then I guess what we're talking about in a philosophical sense—we're getting a bit philosophical with it. Is, um, the nature of change being the actual driving engine for the revelatory moments in our lives. So it's not it's not actually being static and unchanging, which some religions would argue is the state to attain, you know, equilibrium, mm. just a flat line, but a flat line is also unchanging, unmoving. like it's imperceptibly, in, in still. <laughs> and stillness is good as well for yeah. certain uh reasons, but it seems to be that it's the changes that we actually um give meaning to things. And that's one of the things that uh Angel did a lot and it was actually philosophize around shit like that. So um one of the things one of the takeaways I had, one of the lines one of the characters uttered was that um well the character is like a karaoke singer and he's 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 like a demon karaoke singer. <laughs> um, he's trying to he's trying to describe like what life is all about, and he's like, he's like, look, angel, I can hold a note for a very long time. He's like, actually, I can hold a note forever, but it's it's not the it's not the note that gives you know everything meaning. It's the one that comes after, right? It's the changes. That's what makes it music, right? right? Just very simple. Nice tight philosophy and I'm like yeah uh, that that makes sense to me so even if yeah. you say we're immortal you can still be killed um, in some fashion what happens then like what's the next thing right because mm. logic will dictate well if we die not if we die when we die you and I um, there's plenty of information out there to suggest there might be something that comes after but then is that thing just another thing that will end to continually mm. give meaning right. or do we then enter some kind of other space where there is no time concept? Mm. It's so far beyond what we could understand in this reality that it's something completely different. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I guess the fact that we can even have this conversation is a testament to the book. <laughs> um being able to draw things like this out of a story like Turtles is is the reason why I think this property just has legs and continues to, yeah. to pump out some quality shit. Although I think Turtles fans like us, we need to remind ourselves that there is movie, movie number one level content like this out there.
0: It's just in a different format. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And really, really, to IDW's credit, I mean, we we I've, you know, I think collectively, you know, I've read three or um, together, sort of thing. But um, and they've they've been great, they've been brilliant. I mean, I'm quite surprised. I mean, I didn't even know that this was going. I mean, this seems to be published from 2013. Uh, this this secret history uh, of the Foot Clan, mm. which is amazing. I had no idea it was. That they've been going for this long but it's it's uh it's a great series and i can be a bit like you know i turn my nose up at oh they're rewriting the law sort of thing but this is Mm. done in such a perfect perfect way that no one could be disgruntled at this version of kind of the the story the law and everything about it it's it's a yeah it's a brilliantly put together yeah um kind of world um that takes it above and beyond doesn't it
2: fucking krang <laughs> the fucking iron demon seriously i was like i've it's been a while since i've like turned the page to something and i've gone what <laughs> like it was
0: but are you not so do you i mean do you know anything about him like the IDW
2: universe, like,
0: yeah. I haven't looked into it. No, I. Okay, so this is this is this is all you know. So are you like, are oh, if you're going to bring him in, this is brilliant. Mm. Or are you thinking of, no, this is not how this should have gone. I'm pretty sure they they would
2: have brought him in prior to this. I think the fact that I think it was dropped in there, um, as as being part of that story would have elicited the same response but i think he would have you know he would have been introduced way before that and probably the continuity but just the fact that he was there in in that period as well um it was really cool i didn't expect it that's all because you know there, we haven't read the previous yeah. issues so it was it was a nice surprise
0: it was i was i was again it all comes down to like you say what the the thing before and after so it depends on what what does he want there's that great moment yeah. where I think um, Saki says, what does the demon want? And she says, you're being short-sighted. The question is, what are you prepared to do for immortality? And I thought, no, the first question was fine. Like, what does the demon <laughs> want? Like we, we don't actually, it's not short-sighted. Your question is the different question. The first question is still, what, what does it want? Does it? Like, doesn't still he, a thing.
2: Doesn't he just kick the shit out of him and he explodes? So did he actually kill him?
0: I, well, we, we, we don't know. He does like a, what is it? They they kind of betray him, isn't it? Yeah. Which is what they they intend to do. So he he kicks him, and then uh, some, it yes. He literally he goes the soldiers.
2: boom, like he goes boom. Yes, That's what it says in there. There's in soldiers the page. behind him. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> he has the soldiers behind him. And he goes open fire. Then there's the explosions, and he's like, "No, you idiots! Like, don't do this." And then he yeah he fly kicks him, and then he goes into <laughs> the thing and it blows up. But we don't know if. <laughs> that's it's his story done or like kicked crank to death i love it like... <laughs> but yeah but like will he is it's the same person that's going to resurface because that, i mean like that was then and we've seen um kind of saki come back you know generations later as they as they say like so would crank join this story as the same person i don't even know mm. is he gone and if he's gone then that you know don't do we ever get any answer as to what he was doing there? Like, yeah, it's it's crazy.
3: I'm
2: sure there's there's got to be some some issues that are going to link up to that. I'll probably yeah, yeah I probably should have done some research on that before I uh, jumped on. But yeah, that's cool. I don't mind the fact that we we're, we're not going to have that additional context either. I mean, at some point, I'd love to go through it, go through the whole thing in chronological order. Like, I don't I don't think we we have to go through each and every one ourselves, but. Um, i'd be up for it if we did but i'd be totally like trying to do that on my own at some point just like properly get yeah more immersed into the universe um but that's uh,
0: how did it end imran with a reincarnated excuse me not reincarnated um a, a a saki who has been brought back to life after having killed himself, generations later, I think, as they say, I don't I think we, I don't think they give dates in Japan as to what, how long it's been. But yes, he comes back and standing at the top of that building, he looks out at the city, mm. which gives credence to the the prophecy of the city of light um, as he looks at it, and um, he's then like, "Yep, yeah, I'll take that," <laughs> yeah. and um, I imagine it would be met with tremendous shock and surprise when he initially is like. Yoshi, like, what the hell? <laughs> like, no, you're but, here and you're a rat.
2: <laughs> hold on. I, yeah, no, because that's that's still technically like a flashback. I think it ended with the flashback of him reawakening because we were in the present yes. day with him already being shredder, and then it sh-
0: Oh yes, but that yeah. that moment where he realizes because we haven't because that was like we have the two opposite ends of that mm. timeline. We haven't got that moment where he initially finds yoshi in terms of like and realizes that's him mm. you know it's kind of like what are you doing here why are you a rat yeah. i have to kill myself to come back for immortality and you're already <laughs> here like what And reincarnation it's okay. the
2: motherfucker it's just it's... <laughs> yeah. yeah Yeah. well now we know why he killed his family yep yeah, yeah. totally yeah we get it we get it oroku yeah. Oroku slimy. Just hit some pregnant
0: women. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oroku sucky. Yeah. They, did, they said that in the Shredder in Hell, didn't they?
0: Yeah. They did, yeah.
2: <laughs> sucky, sucky. Um, um, oh, Okay. So, yes. Um, should we start doing ratings as well? Can we rate things?
0: Wow. Oh, that's something? a great idea. Yeah. Can we
2: rate these? Maybe can we rate this out of like five bloodied foot bloodied bloodied feet (laughs) the foot symbol um
0: i okay yeah do you i i've I've got a great uh score i thoroughly enjoyed it i it would i'm i four or five uh for me decent yeah um my uh, probably my only flaw with it is at times i found the and this is a weird thing to say but like i found the tone a little sort of sketchy at times like i felt like sometimes that what you know there were some great moments of the turtles kind of dialogue but sometimes it was a bit like it was it felt like lines taken from that 90s cartoon (laughs) yeah you know and it was just sort of a bit like hey we need a battle cry blah 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 let's fight we are fighting i was like who's writing this this is you know it's not funny it's not really endearing it's a bit Mm. Sort of childish, and then you know, the page after will be Saki killing, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like like all these people, and yeah, and then it's sort of a bit silly that that would be my only flaw. I mean, like
2: Mikey, Mikey yeah, well, yeah, and it was, yeah,
0: and it was like, yeah, like really, (laughs) that's the best (laughs) you come up with,
2: like it's very meta, a lot of meta stuff happening there, like uh, self referential, almost, yes, fourth wall breaking kind of shit, yeah.
0: So that would be the only flaw i really had for it other than that i i really really loved it i've read it about three times um uh the the, you know the the, everything about the everything based in japan i i thought was great you're right i think they could have expanded on it uh a bit more but for what was a mini series they probably didn't have like tremendously high expectations there's no hard copy of it available (laughs) um but for what it was i loved it i thought it was great how about you
2: um, yeah, I think I'll probably split the diff. I, I tend not to give perfect scores, but me giving four and a half out of five is essentially me giving it a perfect score anyway. So it's like, mm. yeah, I'll give it a four and a half. I think. Um, yeah, again, it, probably similar, similar drawbacks. I didn't really mind the tonal shifts as much, just because you know we're kind of used to it with turtles uh, at yeah. this point. Um, I think with a story like a Ronan. It had less of that as a bit more dedicated to the tone. Um, this one, I guess, was appropriate to where Mikey was. You know, he wasn't future Mikey yet. He was still mm. bubbly Mikey, cracking jokes. Again, probably in character because he's super confident. So the humor is a way for him to just, <laughs> I don't know, um, bring some light to the world, even in dire situations. <laughs> Again, very Avatar, The Last Airbender. I'm not sure how familiar you are with that cartoon. No,
0: not at all. I saw the film, which was brilliant. It wasn't. Yeah, um, brilliantly that was... shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's my only experience with that. Oh, you the poor, poor. Property.
2: Poor man. Yeah. no, <laughs> Just you got to strike that from your memory. That's what most fans have done. No, The cartoon is probably like one of the greatest cartoons of a mm-hmm. man. 3 seasons of that is still like to this day so highly regarded um and one, yeah. of, the, one of the characters yeah. it's it's steeped in a similar sort of it just reminded me of the entire uh, folklore story so there's, there is a character in there called um Uncle Iroh who's like this powerful general from one of the one of the um one of the uh, nations. So in, in the avatar universe, you said it's divided into four nations based on each element. So there's like the fire nation, water nation, air nation, and earth nation. And each one, um, certain members of their tribes can be born with the ability to bend those elements uh, uh, using different types of sort of Kung Fu. So you can sort of employ a certain technique and you can bend the element of water and do whatever you want with it or earth or air uh, or fire. So Uncle Iro is like this former Fire um, Nation general who the Fire Nation are known for being aggressors in the story, and they're usually like the antagonists. Um, but he is like this, um, like a Michelangelo. He's very jaunty. He's a bit. He's a bit like he's a bit portly. Um, he was known as like the Dragon, so he's like feared. But he, when you meet him, he's just like this friendly old uncle. You know what I mean? Like he's just very. Um, endearing and very uh actually very sympathetic even to like the enemy um he always makes the light of a tough situation tries to ease like um or find the find the humor in, in certain things even when the situation's dire uh yeah. very played similar sort of um i guess role as mikey so it, it reminded me of that, of that and i think again touching on just the, the the Mikey love fest for this episode <laughs> like yeah I totally get it now like he, there's a, a lot of layers to his psychology and the way he's uh, he's actually portrayed um, that was a highlight for me so um, seeing and really understanding Mikey's place in all this um, just the effortless way that he does his thing it's, it is very guru like right a guru yeah. would operate that way <laughs> They would they downplay all that shit, not even consciously. Like I think Mikey just does that because I don't know if he's even aware of his level of awareness and intelligence. Like he just it's just. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah, I love the. Um, I just love the entire aesthetic of it. the The tone was it was very bloody as well. I, I yeah. like the fact they didn't shy away from that. You can't really. You know, you're telling an old kind of samurai story as well. It's it's going to be bloody. Um, so I like the fact that it's not toned down for, for a childish audience. There are some childish elements, but it's largely for adults, um, which is great. But yeah, uh, freaking we three out of three uh, so far. The stories we've, been, we've looked at, right? Is that the third yeah, one? Yeah, absolutely. That's the third one. Yeah
0: yeah not too Too bad bad. Um, not too bad eh? no (laughs) they're they're excellent yeah i'm yeah i would like to delve into um more they're a a real joy to kind of Mm. uh connect again with something that obviously means a lot to each of us so it's to, to see this whole other facet which doesn't revolve around a huge massive big budget movie you know so it's kind of cool to connect with it on a on another level uh well back to its roots really um and just to sort of appreciate it on on that level and just think man amazing i mean this would be uh i i would think i you know i never think they should rush into it as such but in time to come, I think I um, IDW is where I would look if I were to have a helm and a reboot of oh, yeah, uh, a Ninja Turtle franchise. I would look to, to kind of go here 100%. Yeah.
2: You got to take the Steve Barron route, like he adapted issue one. We got the classic mm. first film. If you just adapt yeah. quality content, you don't have to change much. You just yeah. you just got to think visual and, and, and moving image and just transplant and then just stay true to it. Um. I think honestly story like this, if you were to expand it uh, and if it was in the right hands, AKA mine, if I was like in charge (laughs) of it, if I could actually write it, I would expand this entire foot clan story into like a 10 ep mini series, like a season Mm -hmm. of a show that'll actually tell that story and then weave in the turtles and weave in everything. Actually do like a turtles verse um, TV series kind of thing, you know? Um, the shared continuity. I think that would work really well. Yeah. Like, uh, like John yeah. Wick, I still have to see John Wick 4. Like, it's one of my favorite film series. Um, mm. And they've got like a TV show coming out called The Continental. Uh, and they've got an oh, yes, of off yeah. film called The Ballerina. They're like fully expanding out um, the universe. Mm. So if it's done right, uh, yeah, it can be done ad nauseum and it can be done at a high quality. And, uh, yeah, it's the best kind of shit. And now we've got some time for yes. Turtles Three. <laughs> yeah,
0: Turtles. Um, I keep thinking, I keep thinking there's a tagline to this film. There isn't, is there? It's not like Turtles in Time. Or Nah, it never was. It, it is Turtles in Time. No, it's no. not to be confused with Turtles in Time. That was a whole other thing. That was just the video so this game. Is just. Yeah, so this is literally just Ninja Turtles 3. Yep. Um, okay, so this is uh, 1993. Yeah. Uh, my goodness. Um, uh, it's the third Win the Original film series. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, sees them travel back in time, <laughs> sees all four Turtles and April mm. travel back in time. Uh, Due to a mystical scepter, uh, which takes them back to feudal Japan, uh, where they become embroiled in a conflict. I'm reading this from Wikipedia. Uh, Embroiled (laughs) in a conflict between a daimyo and a group of rebellious villagers. Yes um now it's as a quick uh not to give away our opinions on it just yet but uh this was deemed a box office flop mm. um, but the numbers aren't too bad i mean it says here it received moderate box office success uh 54 bank. million yeah. against yeah it did it made 54 million dollars uh, against the budget 21 yeah. but it's not considered um uh a success uh very bad reviews um people were mad that there were no familiar turtle characters but we can't resurrect shredder again Mm. uh so um so yeah i mean uh thoughts what was it like how long had it been since you had seen this
2: quite a while i think i mentioned in the last one that that's that and number two were the ones i rewatched the least as i got older and older it was always just number one so it tapered off And I'd seen it enough times growing up. Like I'd watched them so many times already that um, I didn't feel the need to go back and revisit. But the more we started talking about this, the more I was like, you know what? I've seen it. I've burned a lot of it into my memory, but there's a whole lot that I just don't remember. I can't even remember any choice bits of dialogue like we do from movies one and two. So it was good to go back um, and actually Mm -hmm. touch, uh, touch base with it again and be like, how do I feel about this? And it was, I think I'm, in line with, I think one of the creators who mentioned it might've been Eastman or led, um, specifically one of them said, yeah, look in terms of how, how we think of the the live actions. Number one is the best one. Number two, we think is the worst one. And number three is the one that's sort of in between like in, in the middle. So I get what they're saying. Three is very self-contained and inoffensive. It's nothing horrifically bad. Um, the I like the fact that Casey's in it for quite a bit, but they had to sort of give him like a babysitter role. Uh, he's not really in the action as Casey Jones, but he is in there as like the British character, right? So yeah. Elias Kortius, who plays the character, is playing um, like a dual role. So he had a bit of action, some action scenes there in feudal Japan. Um, I really like the fact that yeah, it touches, uh, touches on the Japanese origins of it again. Um, and it, it was actually like, it looked good. Like, I don't know about you, but the very opening image was fucking beautiful. Oh
0: it was beautiful. It really is. It re- and it's not them though, is it? It's um, it's for, it's yeah, for what, soldiers. Yeah, the other four as soldiers. As but
2: like, fuck, that was just so... That, yeah. You know what? I've, I'm really drawn to that aesthetic. Like when you just sort of red filter the shit out of something like that. <laughs> like that looked awesome. And the same goes for if you've ever seen the Sylvester Stallone movie Cobra. Uh,
0: of course, yes.
2: The opening scene when he's riding nice. his motorbike, same. They did the same shit. They just like yes, red washed well, everything. Well done. Um, it yeah. looks sick.
0: I love that. It does. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: if they had kept logo. that aesthetic up, holy shit. Like... Mm. And then it just kind of dissolves into just a regular image. And i I'm like, oh, that was looking like a comic book. It looked like a fucking, looked like um, Sin City all of a sudden. Like Robert Rodriguez was yeah. directing it all of a sudden. But um, uh, largely inoffensive. Uh, um, we, I was looking out for the whole Mikey bit towards the end where he's like, I okay. could stay with <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. And he was just bummed out after. Um, I will just note, One scene that kind of would have flown over my head as a kid. Um, This is about 30 minutes in, so um, I guess to catch us up to this point, yes, they find a a scepter. April has brought all the turtles some gifts from the flea market. She's visiting them in the underground lair
0: in the the, uh, subway. Um, She bought them presents before she went on holiday. Imagine what she's going to bring back from holiday. (laughs) Like, who does that? I'm going on holiday. Here's a present. Yeah, here's some (laughs) stuff.
2: Uh, Yeah, pre-present, present. present. Um, And she gets sucked (laughs) into feudal Japan, and then some of the Japanese people come to America. uh, um, And about half an hour into it, uh, the turtles manage to rescue April, uh, and then the British Casey, and then they slide out of that, like, sewerage system and and outside the walls of the... uh, of the prefecture or wherever they are. Um, and then April's still in her like Japanese outfit. And then she starts like mm-hmm. ripping the legs off. Right. Right. Uh, at that scene, like you've, you've seen it like just recently, like I have. Um, yeah. So she's like ripping the pants off and she's revealing her legs and she's kind of like got them up on the rocks. And then Leo, Leo and Donnie notice <laughs> and they start making light of it, like oh, legs or whatever like that. And then April just looks at them and goes, hey, I'm allowed. I'm on vacation. (laughs) And then the turtles respond. This is just really like, I don't know what the hell this is all about. I kind of do. but So then Donnie and Leo just look at at her and they go, absolutely. Showing. (laughs) And then April rolls her eyes and then sighs. I'm like, how did I? how did I realize how overtly sexual that whole fucking exchange was? Like they're looking at her legs going, Ooh, what up legs? You know, like, Oh, nice legs. And then and she's like, Hey, I'm allowed to show off my legs. I'm supposed to be on vacation. And then they just go absolutely. And then they, what, like mouth the sound effect of them, like cracking a stiffy, like showing like we're back to turtle dicks again. Like (laughs) is there no escape from this topic, Imran? Are we just like I like I was I was like I'm gonna put this to bed I'm I'm not gonna broach this whole like is April like has she ever hooked up with one of them or like are they always like just horn dog teens in every iteration that Make passing references to like <laughs> fucking April or, or like objectifying her, <laughs> and she just like, uh, like just rolls her eyes and like, oh, yeah, just being sexually objectified again by mutant turtles. <laughs> did, did you, oh, you remember God. that
0: part? I, I know exactly the part you're talking about. <laughs> I remember I did think when she goes, I'm allowed, I'm on, I'm on vacation. It was like, what do you do on vacation? That entitles you to just, I'm just Ripped removing pants my off. clothes. Yeah, <laughs> Where was she going? Yeah. So, uh, yes, I know, I know the scene. <laughs> <Showing>. Yeah. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> and there's that great, as you said, uh, that moment where Mikey says, I could stay here with you. Imagine if she's like yeah man like let's do that and then the rest are like we're about to change the world on a grand scale here guys i think you need to come with us mikey but no she's she's happy for me to stay she's like no i really i love him i want him to stay and we're gonna be a family now hang on we're we're kind of veering off the (laughs) the normal path Uh,
2: you know what though like they really like the portrayal of splinter the puppet and the voice really took a fucking hit like it, they really downgraded right. hard. They obviously didn't have Kevin Clash. I think Kevin Clash did one and two. Uh, the same guy, oh, okay. same guy voiced it, which is I think the voice of Elmo, right? Same guy. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Kevin oh, wow, okay. Kevin Clash. I think that's his name. Um, so he obviously wasn't wasn't there for number three, but the pup the puppet was janky as fuck. You can tell they didn't put maybe too much money into it because you never saw a full body shot of Splinter. He was always like in the train or just chest high. Yeah. Uh, it's probably made it easier. Um, but it was very janky and he didn't really, <laughs> didn't get to that sort of like soulfulness that the, he had in his voice, the first two films. Yes. Uh, this was more like
1: someone doing a very bad impression over the first one.
2: <laughs> and, or, and, like, he just, like, made passing references to wisdom. Like, in the beginning, Raphael's, like, having a shit fit over something. And then Splinter says, like, literally one thing about it. He's like, Raphael, calm yourself. Like, that's it. Like, that's it. <laughs> if I was Raphael, I would have just cracked it even more. I'm like, that's it. That's all you got. Big fucking rat. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're like, fuck it out, man. That's the most sage-like wisdom it. you can provide me. Was that the beginning bit? Yeah, it was very, very start, you know, and rap's so having a, the- yeah.
0: the the beginning bit was like let's cram in every known turtle cliche that we possibly can (laughs) so it's like they're goofy they dance and inexplicably (laughs) rafael just grabs his side and just throws it It it's like were you you, you were dancing
3: yeah
0: at the stereo like you you've just destroyed the stereo you have very limited (laughs) forms of entertainment you have just destroyed it you were dancing three seconds ago why are you now this is this is personality disorder. Yeah, yeah. This is, <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, let's just go through the tick list. They like to dance. Tick. Raphael gets angry. Tick. Yeah. Splinter says wise words. Tick. <laughs> and it was like, well, this is a bit silly. Like, I don't understand how we just, "Ah, I'm angry. It's like, okay. Uh, Yeah. I'm known for it. I'm going to be angry. Yeah. Pretty much. And then Leo should have just said, let's train. Like, okay, we've we've ticked everything now. Like that's, that's everything we needed. Well, I guess uh, for the scene, if that's just how it is down
2: there, like he just busts shit up. He knows Donnie's going to fix it anyway. Like that's just going to get fixed. And then like um, the, the, I made a funny uh, for this film was not oh, was not yes. a, I made it funny. It was just Splinter like putting on the lampshade and being like,
3: "Ah, yeah. like Elvis
2: from Blue Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> ah, hubba, hubba, whatever the fuck he says. I don't know. Not Haba Haba. He does not say Haba Haba, but he says, you know, whatever Elvis says, like uh-huh, 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 Show <laughs> wig. Like he was doing an Elvis impression. I'm like, I totally forgot <laughs> about
0: that. That was um uh yes, that was very good. Um <laughs> yeah it lacked the soulness you're right yeah of uh of the first up. um uh how good by the way we may have had an absence of absence of mainstream turtle characters but how effing great was Stuart wilson yeah Stuart wilson i thought the main villain um yes. I thought i had completely forgotten <laughs> about sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> i had completely forgotten about him and as soon as he's like not even he's far and away the best thing in this film. Like he's fantastic. And what's his uh, assistant's name? Niles. Oh gosh, I got yeah, some Miles Niles, yeah, Niles! something like that. <laughs> yeah, the no, dude. He was chewing the scenery in terms of a villain. Yeah, he was great. He was he was great. That scene, I, and it's funny because that's a phrase that's been in my head ever since this film. But I could never, I would never remembered that I got it from here. But he says something about. She, uh, is, uh, i think when they first discover april and he says something about her and then niles goes oh what them like i'm not a witch she Goes, her you moronic toad and it's like moronic toad is like a, <laughs> a, word, a phrase <laughs> i've had in my toad. head for years and when he said it it was like oh, it was you you're it's where i got toad. it from or
2: even the dynamic between him and his crew like you know when they're first like confronting april and accusing her of being a witch they. Yeah, he's kind of standing off to the side, and he's muttering to himself, and he's he's looking at them, and he's going like like backward, superstitious fools. And then like his crew go, we were just asking about it. it." It It's like not you, damn you,
0: moronic toad. (laughs) That's that's what it was. That's the scene, damn you, moronic toad. That's he was great. Actually,
2: kind of well written.
0: Yeah, well written. Yeah, he nailed it. He was great. He was really—he really was. Um uh, Yeah, far and away <laughs> the, the best thing in moronic the film was that guy.
2: Toad. I've got to incorporate that. <laughs> That's a great band name, I think. <laughs> yeah. Moronic Toad. It's, yeah, I'd probably put that in my list of like punk band names, like right up there with Clutch Bucket. <laughs> That's my go-to one. For if I ever start a punk band, it's going to be Clutch Bucket.
0: It's just sat in the pocket. You've never. You're just going to wait for the punk band. You're not going to use it for anything else.
2: Well, I can be the punk band. I can, I can easily do it myself. Okay. Um, yeah, um, it's just what I would probably do. Bunch of demos and then get get a band formed around it. <laughs> yeah, Clutch Bucket, Moronic Toad, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, good call, good call. Even though the the backup villains were were pretty entertaining, it kind of reminded me of like the first Pirates movie actually, in terms of like yeah. the um, the flunkies being quite entertaining as well. Yeah, um, and the um, uh the <laughs> when, <laughs> when April first gets put in the cage and there's like the really fat like Asian uh, the Japanese oh guy gosh. who's like yes. looking at her going like he's just a big bear like he's like growling at her and, yeah. like looking like he's gonna eat her and then the <laughs> and then the flying the comes in and does like that whole like Give us a kiss then, love, before you, you – while you still have your lips.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think he says something else to him as well. I can't remember what it was, but in that scene, he, he does bark at, at that guy. He says something, but I can't remember what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's like, um,
2: um, no, you make you make me want to puke or something. He's like, you're not the
1: first
0: person to say that to me. <laughs> it was it's one of those weird movies where like i guess when i was like halfway into the film i'm kind of looking at the plot and i'm thinking about it and it's kind of like it's one of those weird films where everybody ultimately wants the same thing but they're all arguing about it (laughs) and it's like the bad guys are stealing the scepter because you want to take it away from the turtles but ultimately the turtles want it to go home you want them to go home. Yeah. Let them go home yeah. and you win. Like, why are you in in, in the middle of the, this plan? You are just hurting yourself by preventing them from going home. Give them the scepter, let them go, and then you win. But for some reason, they're all at odds over that very thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um And uh, yeah. I think we mentioned in the previous one that Corey Feldman does return as Donatello. Yes, he
0: does, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Guess how much he was paid.
0: Oh, no, I have no idea.
2: To voice Donatello. So in the first film, he was paid uh $1,500 to voice uh, Donatello. Oh,
0: wow.
2: Guess how much he was paid for movie number three.
0: Why would he... Hang on. Why would he be paid such a small amount cuz Corey Feldman in the yeah, 90s right it's ridiculous
2: right he got paid 1500 dollars again for the for, for the third film
0: <laughs> for voicing <for, for laughs> donny i
2: don't know Wait it a minute. seems a little low ball none but, of this
0: yeah i feel like he'd probably took the first paycheck because he's probably a huge fan it was an indie movie and he just Mm. went no problem i'll take whatever and then in the third film they he said i want loads of money and they said we have no money (laughs) like there's (laughs) you'd be surprised at how small a budget we've been given for this film Like, oh okay that's so strange um
2: and here's some i guess additional trivia so the concept of the movie is loosely based on a story called masks from issues 46 and 47 of the original mirage comics so there's at least a bit of influence there story features the turtles and Renee traveling back to feudal Japan to fight an evil shogun and engage in samurai battles. Um, yeah, I think we mentioned previously as well, because um, I've read this so many times over the years, uh, they brought back Casey, who was in the second movie because the studio wanted an, a less violent film. Um, but yeah, Casey features quite prominently and I love it. Uh, but did you notice, and I mentioned this in the last episode, the fake hair. Like he his, yes. his real hair at that point was his British character version. It was shaved,
3: right? Short, so you right. could
2: tell it was a week at that
0: point. Um, I wonder why they went with two Casey's as opposed to just maybe sending Casey back. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, why they they because I guess Casey gets a sort of a limited role hmm. on the premise that Elias is being used in feudal Japan. So, but I wonder where that came from. Like why? Why have two? Why have him play two roles? Are they? I guess they're alluding to this as a uh, an ancestor of of Casey's in some capacity. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a strange, uh, not a strange creative decision. I'll just be curious as to why 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 it went like that as such.
2: Yeah, yeah, not hundred percent sure. I think that, I think you're right. That's probably what it was. Um, and they probably had to nerf him again. Like they invited him back. But they, again, didn't let him get violent. You know, like, he rocked up going, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready to crack some skulls. Yeah. You know, it's like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. come on.
2: <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I love it, man. I love, I, I, be, I became a fan of the actor because of that role. Like, he's actually a really yeah. fucking monstrously talented actor. If you've seen any of his other roles, right. like, he's fucking ridiculous. But when he plays mm-hmm. Casey, I just, I just love him, man. I love it
0: yeah he's got a real swagger it's so such a cool thing about him where, particularly that first film he really is he's, he's very comfortable mm. in in that role he does it great he's less comfortable as the english guy that bit at the end when he just sort of appears miss me like um oh, it's <laughs> <need to work." laughs> like no i didn't <laughs> but um yeah it was he nails it as casey he does a great job yeah.
2: Uh, oh here we go so this is so I was wondering about this so often erroneously thought to be subtitled turtles in time it's never had that right. subtitle this must be some this must be like a Mandela effect I reckon fuck right maybe there's some fucking copies of this that's like it was turtles in time but then time got fucked with in in reality and now we have two versions of it mm-hmm. mm. Mandela effect Mandela um, <laughs> So, what else we got here? Oh, so Golden Harvest film spent three hundred thousand dollars converting an abandoned repair hangar at a naval air station to uh, into a film studio studio with four sound stages. So that's where they filmed it. Bloody hell! Oh, wow. Why would they spend three hundred k? Like the budget for the film was like seventeen mil. That's interesting. Interesting, and then John Duprez. De Prez, um, Dupre or Prez, uh, he did the soundtrack again. Uh, oh, okay. There's actually some familiar beats. You could hear some of that the stuff from the first film uh, being reprised in in the second one, where it mm-hmm. goes, do, do 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 do. You know that little right little sound of like recognition you get in the first film every now and then. Right, right. Um, and we, oh, that's cool. We did touch on the planned fourth film that was gonna happen, which was actually called yeah. The Next Mutation, which became the TV show, which had nothing to do with the original film concept. But yeah, that's the one where they were gonna undergo secondary mutations yeah. and then the fifth oh turtle God. was gonna be introduced.
0: Like, and that would have scarred me if I had seen that. That wouldn't have, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know about that one, but um, they
2: pulled the plug on the right time, I'd say, yes, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I guess the, like has had that uh, reinvention of its lore, hasn't it? So you had the TV show, which didn't do great as I understand it. Um, I guess Michael Bay's attempt to reinvent the story. Uh, not one that I particularly, I didn't like is this, this version or this kind of retelling of the story. Yes, to be
2: honest. So it's kind of it sucked. Um, the, so the yeah, TMNT so... film, which we talked about as well from 2007, the animated 3D right. film, yeah, which takes place after this in the continuity, right? It's supposed to be mm. in the same continuity, basically movie number four. Um, there was supposed to be two more sequels that were going to be made, but right... And it actually made a lot of money. Like, it was released in theaters. It, it did well, and it justified two more movies they were going to make, but then they didn't make them because um the rights got bought out by i think it was like paramount who then rebooted everything and started making the bay movies um, uh, okay but yeah we could have gotten two more uh potentially There mm. would have been some decent quality uh filmage i reckon
0: yeah it's been a while since i've seen it but um yeah some great moments in that uh, i liked the yeah i remember yeah i think the two most um prevalent things about that film for me is i liked seeing the an introduction to the turtles as completely fractured mm. uh, and fragmented kind of characters off doing their own thing i thought wow this is really an inspired kind of take on it and obviously the rooftop fight which is glorious mm. um but yeah so uh, yeah that was my my takeaways from that movie but um yeah interesting yeah yeah beautiful um yeah um my only other point about the movie, if I may, is um as as far as time travel goes, I, I like to, you know, to make a checklist of so things that can travel back through time through the scepter. Mm-hmm. Uh people, uh, clothes can't, <laughs> Walkman's can. <coughs> Walkman's can and well, I guess the Turtles bandanas can. Mm-hmm and um and their belts and weapons can the guards but... uh,
2: under under garments did, yes they didn't come through underwear
0: naked. can travel but yet the top uh, uh top layer outer layer of clothing does not travel back through time so as long as we establish that as as definitive <laughs> rules then I'm I'm content. <laughs> Can we that
2: stupid fucking dance they do in the beginning and the end, what is with that? They never danced like that ever. And then they had to come up with some weird dance that they all had to do where they're like look like they're all jerking off uh in midair. Like they're just like eh eh, eh eh like what? Yeah. The hell? Uh, well yeah,
0: that's yeah, Well, it, it does feel like that's just Turtle a... Turtle That's what that is. All <laughs> it's
2: all about just getting you thinking about it. Trust me. That's what they want. They want to over-sexualize society. They're going to do it through anthropomorphic turtles, Imran. That's just how it is. Oh,
0: that's... Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've learned a lot. Turtle soup.
3: Yeah. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: man! Um,
0: um, anything else? Yeah. Can... So, do you want to do you want to grade this in line with? Oh yeah, yeah,
1: shit.
2: Yeah. Our call. Um, um. I'm so we ra- I rated the previous one out of bloody feet. This one yes. I will rate out of um, out of five, but out of five like April April's legs. So. <laughs> <laughs> five april's legs out of that i will give it i think a generous uh fuck maybe not so generous uh 2.5 i'm gonna give it a two and a half out of
0: five april's legs um i'm gonna grade mine out of magical scepters hmm out of time traveling scepters and i'm going to give it again i'm not mad at it i'm going to but it's a two Mm. but it's it's a it's a decent two it's like this it's not it isn't too bad it's okay is that a two joke yeah if you know it isn't it really it really (laughs) wasn't but this is the kind of natural uh thought process i have (laughs) he's a natural
2: genius that's what's happening yeah
0: i just stumble into these things what can i yeah natural mystic (laughs) yes
2: um (laughs) No, that's decent. That's decent. So two time-traveling scepters. Yeah. Um, two time-traveling scepters. That's fair. Um, and Considering that the... Yeah, uh, but it's a
0: good... the, Like the critic
2: score for this is like 10% or something like that. Like it's right. the worst reviewed... Uh, one of the worst reviewed Turtles related things. Um, but again, I, th- I thought yeah. it was pleasant enough. Like it... I wasn't mad. <laughs> I wasn't mad at it. Um, yeah, yeah. It actually didn't ruin anything for me, like, in terms of nostalgia either. Mm.
0: Um,
2: it just didn't have – it just felt like an episode of a TV show, really. It, that's that self-contained yeah. nature to it. Yeah.
0: Yes. Agreed, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: yeah. So what's next for Supper and Lee, number three? <laughs> are, we, are we turtling it again, or are we going to do a whole 180 and, and veer off into – Wonderful and exciting new thoughts and concepts. I don't even know if we can answer this right now. Yeah,
2: I know. Like, kind of conceptualize getting off the turtle train at this point. Like, uh, <laughs> what would replace it? Um, you know what I mean? Like, what else are we that yeah, yeah, fond of? of? Uh, we can cover anything. Like, it could be books, it could be films, TV, it can be, be music as well.
0: It can be music. We have a a, 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 a passionate and shared affection for nineties R uh, and B and hip hop. We have uh, well, I think I think there's lots of Marvel stuff to um, um, uh, to unpack as well. Actually, something else I I thought of a while ago, which might be fine. We uh, we did a whole episode on Thor, and I know a large part of that was to bemoan Love and Thunder, mm. but we could pick another character. Yeah. Um. And and do a whole um conversation about their representation through the MCU: Hulk or uh, Iron Man or Captain America or something like that. That might be fun to just uh yeah. discuss them in across the various ten odd films that they've all been in.
2: I think we've covered uh Hulk a bit as well, so yes, we did. probably yeah. be yeah probably like yeah Iron Man or Cap for sure. Um. Yeah. Yeah. We could do that. I was thinking. Um. You know that oral norts shit that I was getting getting onto with oh, the yes. Star Wars, like their own Star Wars universe. There is another one that um, i have just got to mention this because it's something I've been fucking obsessed with since late last year. Um, you've had a bad lip reading.
0: Oh gosh, yeah, brilliant, amazing. Yeah, we took. Have you seen the Walking Dead one?
2: I or did. One yeah, Walking once ages ago. Like I've I've had to go through every single video again because I've seen them all a lot. Uh, over the years, because he's been around for like fucking ages. But yes. Have you seen the one he did of Hamilton, the musical?
0: I think there's a what now? What did he call it? Um, Axe Assassin
2: have... Albertson. Okay. <laughs> it's called Axe Assassin. Axe Assassin Albertson. Albertson. Yes. Okay. Five parts. Yeah.
0: Okay. It is
2: the most brilliant fucking thing. I've listened to in a long okay. time. I can't stop listening to it. It was actually released in late 2022. It was a lockdown project. Um, and I didn't really... like. I, I kept seeing it. Like BLR shit will pop up because I'm, I'm subbed to the channel. But for some reason, that's not getting a lot of traction. Like the other videos get like 10 to 15 million hits pretty quickly. These ones yeah. kind of just got left by the wayside. They're more of a passion project. And eventually, and I just kept ignoring them, and then eventually, I think just this year, earlier this year, like maybe a month or two ago, I finally watched them, and I'm like, "This is the most insanely like genius shit I've seen in a long time." And like, even for BLR standards,
3: mm.
2: like he's taken the concept of Hamilton right, and it's the framing device around it is there's this, it's the apocalypse, it's it's a future end date uh, in some obscure part of the future where humanity no longer exists and everything is run by an AI named Cascade. And this AI, out of something resembling boredom, tries to go through the history and the archives of human um, uh, creative endeavours like music, uh, theatre, whatever. Um, And it tries to approximate what the dialogue is going to sound like. Um, Thus, you get a bad lip reading. Right, so it's actually gone back and reframed all of the bad lip readings as being done through this future AI who is misinterpreting the words, <laughs> and you're getting like completely different words coming out of people's mouths. In doing that, in five parts of Hamilton, he's weaved together a completely different story, like it's an actual structured narrative based on bad lip readings. Um, and the songs he's created are fucking next level, like the songs are. They're ridiculous in in concept, like they always are, because the words are fucking just hilarious. Yeah, <clears throat> but the more you listen to it, and I've listened to it obsessively, like you you know me and how I like my music, man. Yeah. Like yeah. If I'm telling you this, I'm I'm enjoying it on like a different level to anything else I've enjoyed in a, in a long time. Oh wow! Okay. He's telling like he managed to tell a fucking story that is sci-fi. It's telling a story about how humanity fell and what caused humanity to fall and what caused this particular outcome. And it's told in like an effortless way. You don't even notice it's happening. You're, just, you're hearing the words, you're laughing, the songs are great, they're catchy. But when you really like actually go off YouTube and then listen to the album, because he, he, he released full versions of all the songs he used in the clips. It's like 10 tracks. Right. Um. Fucking hell, man. There's a dense story happening. It's like really goofy and silly, but really high quality. And then at the very end, he's got like the theme song to it that bookends either side of the album, the the beginning and the end. It's like a very eighties sci-fi kind of sound. And then ends with like this really mellow, melancholic acoustic reprise of the theme, which goes for like a couple of minutes. And it's, like, the most beautiful and haunting shit I've ever heard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, just gives me, like, like puts, like, the hair on my neck, like, stands up. I get chills when I listen to that particular part of it. It's literally, he only sings, like, one or two, a few lines, right? But it's acoustic and it's, like, moody. And it encapsulates the entire story that he's told. And it's just, like, this epic story of humanity struggle from one calamity to the next and then reaching one where they have no ability to go on they just end we just end (laughs) and it tells a story of how it's just so fucking amazing man axe assassin albertson
0: um i think i have seen one but i certainly didn't mm. i think it was a bunch uh but like me and my uh war family were watching it i think i was showing them the carl papa from Washington yeah which yeah. uh, is the best song in the world um <laughs> but uh, uh yeah i think uh yeah i, I, I absolutely yeah, well, this is a great yeah, it's a great topic yeah well, um, i
2: mean we don't have to I'll sort of cover it. it as a thing but like i'd just highly recommend you just check it out man like watch the clips yeah. first like just the five clips um <clears throat> like this <laughs> there's a track there a couple of standout tracks one's called sweet fueling another one's called elven body glove um another one's called uh uh the rock rock broke their bok bok like there's just like a uh pregnant and unwell that's another good one uh sassafras <laughs> sassafras that is a banger what a beast of a song uh, another one called pregnant and unwell <laughs> is the name of my punk band. <laughs> such a good song another one called ruffle lump uh (laughs) peaches that's another good one fucking hell man like this it's insane what you can actually conjure up from like the even the most ridiculous concepts that's what i love more than anything like people have thought i've I've been a bit of a weirdo because i've been into shit like this for a very long time and this is like pre when it was okay to be a little like left of center you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i would always be sort of picked out it was like oh v he's he's the one that likes that weird weird shit like to me it wasn't weird <laughs> shit like i was a big apex twin fan you, you're familiar with apex right. twin
0: i am yeah yeah
2: <clears throat> remember when window liquor came yeah. out
0: yeah man dude. or like come to daddy well, yeah
2: When come to daddy came out i would show that video to all my mates and they all thought i was cooked <laughs> like they, they immediately like you could feel the te- the the mood in the, the room change as soon as i put the video oh on i'm God. like you guys have to see this this is insane and they just stand silent through the whole thing and they're like
0: is that the one with the limo which is just like
2: <laughs> oh well, come to daddy the, 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 is the freaky one with all the children and the okay. alien that crawls out of the tv um but yeah we know right. like the one with the
0: limo and the dancing and all that right that is that's, I don't, yeah i don't that's a that's the trip but i i don't even know what to you watch it and you just think i don't understand what's happening i'm petrified of it but i love cool it cool song but <laughs> i love it <laughs> i fucking fell oh, in love man. with that
2: shit uh i fell in love with it so hard uh i think someone bought me like the cd single um that year when it came yeah. out um but yeah it's just i guess getting back to what i was saying like yeah like Something about that is the ability to create like serious um, hardcore art from something that's just goofy and a bit silly is like next, next level. That's like gets my intense respect. Um, I think that's, that's why amazing. I've tailored the way I work to be around that. That's why whenever we've spoken and I suddenly break into like a, a random idea, um, I'll just mm. go off on a tangent. It's because I need to – I need to exercise that muscle because I tend to come up with some pretty profound shit from the, from the silliness and the goofiness too. <laughs> so it's like anything's fair game. Like anything is open to be utilized and artified, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: Anyway, yeah. that's my spiel. Amazing. Um, I highly recommend that, yeah. man.
0: And well, yes, <laughs> I'll, um, I'll, i um... I'll uh, get onto it uh, by, by next week. I think I'll, uh, Mm. I'll sit down and, um, and uh, yeah, embrace them and see what we can do with it. But yeah, let's, uh, let's
2: catch up and maybe uh, decide what we want to do next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, Awesome, dude. But uh, yeah. And then uh, the theme hopefully will be uh, played in the beginning of this. I don't know what it's called yet. This one. Um, But I will, if you give me a couple of days again. Sure. An hour or two. Days. I can't believe you're
0: saying that. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, I mean like a couple of hours, technically <laughs> one hour out of those, those couple of days, but um, I'll get it done. Yeah, should be sweet.
0: I, I, was, I think you're, you're probably a few seconds away from saying, actually, while we've been talking, I've made the song <laughs> and uh, I've emailed it to you now. I literally I was, was like, going to oh try God. to do that before we sat. Like um, <laughs> I had about an, an hour or so
2: free when the kids fell asleep. Um, I probably could have punched something out, but I didn't want to rush it but yeah Yeah. beautiful man awesome